What's Your Position podcast may contain adult themes, sexual discussions, and strong language. We want everyone to be educated, but we are intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. A WIP a day keeps the STDs away. And now your host, Ashley Weller. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. There you go. Welcome, fellow humans. We all make mistakes. It's all right. Producer, you're allowed to make a mistake. I only went to audio school. <laughs> Welcome, fellow it's only humans. Only like my 50th podcast with you. <laughs> I'll get it one of these days. What's your position podcast? Uh, we are joined today. Uh, I'm just going to get right into who my guest is because I'm literally over the moon right now uh, by... One of my three, four, five, six, seven best friends that anyone could have. Um, when I said I wanted to start a podcast, um, you were most most supportive of that, and we're very excited. You had all these ideas about what you wanted to talk about, and you were going to come on. You were going to talk about this and that. And it's been a year, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I uh, we finally came to a conclusion, and life kind of slowed down mm-hmm. enough. Uh, that my dear, sweet, beautiful, wonderfully amazing, kind, belching friend, Cherie, is joining us. And I'm so grateful for you. And I'm so happy that you're here. I've known Cherie for 16 years, 15 years. Yeah. Why don't you tell the listeners how we know each other? Okay. It's <laughs> a fun little story. Yeah. It's just fun. Just how do we know each other? Who do who do we know that like we both know? It's weird that we both know this person. Yeah. We know your wonderful husband, Mr. Kevin Weller. Husband Kevin Weller. We met in high school. Gosh, I want to say like freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just running around being hooligans together yep. and causing trouble and yep. ditching school <laughs> and doing all the things. Going to that, parties. Yeah. Drinking. <laughs> Doing all the things we shouldn't have been doing. Shenanigans. Um, yep. Yep. So that that's how Kevin and I met. Um, and then Ashley came into the picture a few years after that. Yep. I'm working at Fred's. I knew some people that you knew working at Fred's. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. We all knew each other. And Cherie's like the matchmaker of our group. So <laughs> she matched up Candace and Tommy. Not on purpose. She yeah. did. But so Tommy <laughs> went to school, went to all the parties with them. So she knew Tommy and Tommy's Kevin's best friend. And she worked with Candace and set them up. And then Randy, you went to school with mm-hmm. and you hooked Randy and Amanda up. Mm-hmm. And who else did you get a husband for? <laughs> who else did you find husbands for? You know, I think I think that's it. Is Those that are it? My proudest accomplishments. Right you didn't there. set up Linton Clory. Uh, Linton, Linton Clory. <laughs> Lori and Clint. No, no, no. She did that all on her own. Okay, so yeah. she found him by herself. Okay, yeah. fantastic. <laughs> um, and the Davidsons met in college, so that's they good. Did. Yep. But an interesting twist of fate: one of your matched couples helped you find your person. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. So cool. Amanda's friend from elementary school, Rick, knew Amanda her whole life. Mm-hmm. And how did you? When did you guys meet? We met in two thousand nine. Um, I was hanging out with his roommates. So uh, Johnny Ransom. Oh yeah. David oh, yeah, yeah, Blake, yeah. Mm-hmm. which was a man, which is Amanda's brother. Um, and he happened to be there. Uh, so I met him, but we were both in relationships at the time and we didn't speak for I think five, five years after that. Jesus. Yeah. And then, um, 
in 2014. Uh, both of our relationships had, you know, ended, and he slid in the DMs. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> we're married. And now we're married. <laughs> you were uh, the, the, uh, the last of our little girl gang to get married. Mm-hmm. That was so fun. Oh, being there on that day. That was so amazing. I was so happy to see you so happy. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about something that is not as joyful and happy as all of that, but it's something I think needs to be discussed more regularly, more openly, more honestly, something that is um, hushed by a lot of people and looked down upon um, work might not want you to talk about this you you might not dis- disclose things to your friends <laughs> or your family uh, but we're gonna talk about mental health and we're going to talk about how that affects people mentally and physically i'm probably going to squeeze in some sex facts as well <laughs> since it's a sex podcast but it's also about relationships mm-hmm. and the relationships that we have with our loved ones and with ourselves, and the relationships that could have created these pathways of mental illness and how how that affects people. And Cherie, after working so very hard for many years, got her master's in what? Uh, In social work. Mm -hmm. And you are working on becoming a licensed clinical social worker. And that is a hard thing to do. Yeah. It's way different for for people who don't. Yeah, right, right. Your day was shit. The day she has to come and talk on podcast about anxiety, Mm. she has the worst day ever. No one's answering the phone. (laughs) Everyone's being a dick. Um, Clinical social work is so much more involved than just being a marriage and family therapist. So can you explain to the listener and to me, because I actually don't know what the fuck it is. What is being a social worker? Do you go to people's houses? Do you like look after people who can't look after themselves? What, what is a social worker do? They can do all those things and more. I think that's why I chose social work to kind of, um, you know, figure out what I wanted to do with my life was that I could help people on such a huge spectrum of, Mm -hmm. you know, different fields and different settings. Um, you know, primarily my, my main focus and where my heart is, is with the homeless population, but Mm -hmm. social workers by nature can work with children. They can work, you know, as therapists, they can work, um, really in, in any setting that is a helping profession. So, yeah. you know, caregivers or in hospitals or um, anything like that, really. You've been doing, you have been giving back to people for as long as I've known you, going and raising money for um, homeless vets. You keep you keep things in your car and you give them to homeless people. You keep socks, right? And you keep stuff, stuff the socks full of things like mm-hmm. water bottles and toiletries. And mm-hmm. you do drives so that, that people donate things for homeless people. Um, you worked with spin, mm-hmm. um, to, to go out and give back to the homeless population and help them with stuff. I mean, ever since I've known you, it's, you've always given. So it, it did not surprise me that that was what your heart chose to do in school and that you you got a higher degree of education so that you could really get your hands in there Mm -hmm. and help people. Um, Before we get into your story, I'm going to do a couple of quick things. One is my tip of the day. Tip of the day. I love wow. it. I love it so much. Wow. 
<laughs> it's like it's like it started as a joke and now it's it's literally one of my favorite parts. How is it a joke? That's serious <laughs> music from Nathan Hornblow. The massively he amazing took, He took hours, hours, maybe upon weeks. Weeks. He didn't even stop a day. So I don't he think he went, slept. He's like, a couple hours? No, I'm going now. No, weeks. he did not sleep. Five things to do for your mental health this week. So making sure that you are taking care of yourself mentally is something that everyone needs to stick to. And these are five tips for you to help yourself this week. You don't have to use all of them. You can use one. You don't have to use any. Challenge yourself to unfollow any accounts on social media that have had a negative impact on your mental health. I deleted Facebook five years ago, and I have never gone back. And it, it changed my life to not be on Facebook. I'm still on Instagram, so I can't say that I'm not on social media, but I, I couldn't stand what was happening with my family and my friends and the fighting and the politics. And I just, I, I was over it. So I quit. Have you ever deleted a social media account? Never deleted, but I, I have taken breaks. Mm -hmm. um, I try to do little breaks here and there. Mm -hmm. Um when it gets overwhelming, when I find myself like compulsively opening the app right. throughout the day, I'm like, okay, now it's time to kind of, you know, back I have off. A, an alarm set on my phone. It tells me when I've been on social media for 90 minutes for the whole day. It doesn't mean I stop. It just helps me. <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps me aware of where I'm at for the day. Have you ever deleted an account because it was mentally unhealthy or have you ever stopped using social media for anything? I can't count the many times I've deleted Facebook from my <laughs> phone and then the week later or so yeah uh, it kind of sucks like heroin. It, it sucks because I have to do it for like jobs and like this stuff and promoting yeah I kind of have to it's hard not to so I know he keeps getting on me about getting a Facebook and I'm adamant no you don't have to I you know I watched a podcasting thing for Podbean, unofficial sponsor. They're unofficial really cool. Sponsor, if you, got, if you want to start a podcast, check out Podbean. Dude, they're rad. They they have videos on everything, and we watched one about av or, uh, promoting. And I thought you would have to spread yourself across every platform just in case to get everybody. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, focus on one, so you really. And that's why we're on Instagram. So fuck Facebook. Mm -hmm. Fuck Facebook. Mm -hmm. Challenge yourself to write three things you're grateful for every day, either at the beginning or at the end. I personally like writing them at the end of the day because I like to see what I was thankful for throughout the day. But there is an argument to be made about writing them before your day starts so that you go into the day with a grateful heart and a grateful attitude. Do you do this at all? Do you write things down that you're grateful for? I have done that as like part of my um, my journey mm -hmm. with mental health. But what, uh, what I've started doing that's actually been more helpful for me is I do morning meditations oh. um, on the way to work. And it's actually just a pre-recorded meditation that uh, are affirmations of, of gratitude. Wow. Yeah. And I actually started doing that back in May. Is that on an app? Um, it's a YouTube video. Nice. Mine is faith-based, but I'll, I can just send you like an example of one. Yeah. Um, but I started doing that back in May because my panic attacks returned mm -hmm. and I went back to my therapist and I said, Hey, this is what's happening. And, you know, I told her I meditate every evening cause it helps me sleep, sure. you know, cause I have insomnia. Yep. Um, and she's like, well, have you ever tried it in the morning? And I said, no, how, <laughs> how simple and amazing <laughs> is that? Maybe I should try that. Here we are uh. 10 years later. So um, <laughs> I started doing that and I have not had a panic attack since. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Holy moly. It's just an eight minute um, morning meditation. I have not had a single panic wow. attack. Wow. Do you still do it at night too? 
Yeah, I do different ones uh-huh. at night, but the morning is the same one every day. Oh, mm-hmm. same word, same over and over yep. again. Because it just covers everything. Okay, like it's very thorough. You could like repeat it now <laughs> yes. if you need. Do you ever write down what you're grateful for? No, but I I constantly think about it. And I was thinking about your your thing about writing three things in the beginning of the day. What if you did one in the morning, one in the afternoon, one at night? Yeah, mm. that too. Yeah, just a solid thing you're grateful for. Like why spread three things? Like yeah. I have an alarm set at 12 o'clock to remind me to, be, to breathe and be grateful. So every day at 12 o'clock, my phone buzzes and it's breathe and be grateful. And then at 12.05, I have an alarm that says drink water. <laughs> my, my watch tells me to breathe like every two hours and nice. I, I ignore it all the time. Damn it. Don't do every that. Once How are you still alive? <laughs> Oh, thanks. thanks for reminding me. Sorry. Holy shit. I forgot right there. Uh, practice the 54321 grounding exercise. This changed my life when I learned about this grounding exercise. Mm-hmm. I love this. Yeah. Grounding is a technique that can help you reduce anxiety, negative feelings, negative thoughts. It can also help bring you back to the present. Contrary to popular belief, I know that people think they can think about two things at once. You can't think about two things at once. So if you find yourself in a place of anxiety, frustration, fear, feeling overwhelmed, you can't put your finger on what you're feeling, try this technique. Name, it's all about your senses, Mm -hmm. okay? So you name five things you can see because you can see five things, right? There's at least five things around you that you can see. Right now I can see my cousin, I can see my friend, I can see a trash can, I can see White Claw, unofficial sponsor, (laughs) I can see paper, I can see a backpack. Four things you can touch because that's something else that's easy and there's multiple things. I can touch a cold iced tea. I can touch my cell phone. I can touch paper. I can touch my chest. Three things you can hear. That's harder. So you don't want to do five things you can hear, but you can hear birds or you can hear breathing or you can hear the whir of a copy machine or you can hear a garbage truck. Mm -hmm. Two things you can smell because, again, it gets harder, right? I smell chicken sandwich because I just had one and I also (laughs) smell white claw Uh, and one thing that you can taste because obviously you're not tasting five things so if you can get this five four three two one and you can focus on things that are physically in front of you and you are in that present moment it can sometimes take you out of the fear of the unknown and future things that you can't control Um, and it also helps force your brain to think about those things Mm -hmm. instead of what you're drilling on so you do you use the grounding technique i've done it um during panic attacks mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of what's helped to pull me out of it me too um i i can't say that i got all the way down to one but i i usually found like around step three that i my heart rate was down i was controlling my breathing a little better because mm-hmm. um, for me just being distracted from the panic attack is what works most effectively. That and breathing. Those mm-hmm. two things are, are tough. And everyone's different, right? Right, like it's, exactly. It's completely, I can't be distracted. My, oh, okay. Mine are so physiological. Mm. Um, and we'll talk about that in a little while, but I can't be distracted because okay. it's all about what's physically happening to me. So I have to physically force myself to do something Mm -hmm. and get rid of that energy because it's so much energy, so much adrenaline being pumped through your body. Say no to shit you don't want to do. It might be obvious. I actually had a really hard time with this for a very, very long time. And then I started apologizing to everybody. I apologized all over myself for like three years. I was constantly sorry for what I don't know. But once you realize that no is a complete sentence and that you can say no to things. And if people's feelings get hurt, that's upsetting for them. But you can say no to shit. What's something you said no to recently? 
Um, you almost said no to me today. I almost did. I know you did. I, I was, was like, you're coming. I was like, no, it's, it's the same day. I can't, I can't flake on her. Um, but yeah, no is powerful. No, and I, I've kind of had the same experiences. You know, I've spent a lot of my life catering to other people and trying to make people happy, um, and craving that, like, you know, helpfulness. Yeah, yeah, and just feeling important. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Um, for me, what was something I said no to. I think I said no to. Uh, my coworker asked me to do something. And it was like at the end of the day and they asked me like to put in a, a report or something. And, and I was just like, I could have done it. I had 20 minutes le- left in my shift, but I was like, I w- I'm going to stress out over this. Yeah. Like I'm going to be, you like, know, your limits. F- right. So I just said, I'm so sorry. I can't do it. Um, I'll do it for you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And old me is that's not something I would have done. Yeah. I would have made it happen and been late getting out of work yeah. and taking the stress <laughs> home. Yeah. Exactly. Last thing, take an hour or two, become absorbed in something, a book, a movie, a television show. As much as you think that television and movies aren't helpful when it comes to like anxiety. I mean, don't watch the news. I stopped watching the news five years ago. I stopped watching it completely. I refuse to watch CNN, Fox News, MSNBC. I don't give a shit. I don't care what any of them say. I was at the gym the other day and I got on the bike and the news was on in front of me and I called one of the guys over and I go, change that to anything else. Anything else. I don't give a shit what it is, but change it because I don't want to watch that while I'm working out. And he was like, you got it. And he changed it for, I don't want to watch the news. So get absorbed in a book, get absorbed in a television show, take time for yourself. That's my tip of the day, tip of the day. Nearly one in five American adults will have a diagnosable mental health condition. (laughs) (laughs) I do love the song, though. Like, it's just, it's, uh, it's clean. Nearly one in five American adults will have a mental health condition in any given year. 46% of Americans meet the criteria for a diagnosable mental health condition within the time span of their life. And half of those people will develop conditions by what age? We are now at my statistic of the day. (laughs) (laughs) It's a stat of the day. Nice. What are you doing? (laughs) <clears throat> I was deleting that one. I'm sorry. It's okay. We all make mistakes. It's the start of the day. It's the start of the day. It's the start of the day. So, again, 46% of Americans meet the criteria for a diagnosable mental health condition at some point in their life. Half of those people will develop those conditions. By what age? Guest, you can go up or down by a year. So you can say blank age plus or minus one year. Oh gosh, I'm gonna say like I'm gonna say like twenty. Okay. Age twenty. I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. I was talking to the. <laughs> I hate you. The no, the the mic, uh, man without guest. a microphone. Yeah, he's uh, here. I, was I know. I was gonna ask off. him what his answer was, but he walked away. Sorry. So say- your mental, okay. 46% of Americans will develop a mental health condition in their lifetime. 
Half of them will develop this mental health condition at what age? Sheree mm. said 20. Man without a mic? 26. 26? I'm going to say 13. Okay. Everyone gets plus or minus one year, by the way. Okay. Okay? So we're going to give that stat when we're done with the day. Okay. Um, Don't forget it. I'm not. I have it written down. She forgets it all the time. I totally do. Oh, shit. That was awful. Easy. Christ on a cracker. Um, I am now going to ask you, Cherie, to please regale the listeners with the story of your life. Okay. (laughs) But get on up on that microphone. How much time we got? (laughs) I can go. I I can lead you. You want me to lead you? Where do you want me to start? I'd like you to start at the beginning. Birth? Yeah. I don't remember that far back, man. Where were you born? Okay. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, I was born in Santa Ana. And who are your parents? Um, my mom's name is Pat. And your dad? My dad's name was Robbie. Yep. And Robbie, and your you your mom and Robbie had you mm-hmm. and your brother, mm-hmm. who is how many years younger than you? Three. Three. So, yeah. Okay, and his name is? Bobby. <laughs> Robbie and Bobby. Right? It's a good name. <laughs> um, tell me about what life was like for you growing up in your household. Were your parents married? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my parents got married in 1980. I was born in 1983. Um, from what I've been told, um, the relationship started out great. Um, they were a couple of partiers. They actually met because my mom and my aunt were sitting in the parking lot of a bar and my dad almost ran them over. Oh my God. (laughs) And, uh, he got out of the truck and my mom, you know, was like so mad and, um, she was about to yell at him, but then she noticed how good looking he was. (laughs) Your dad was seriously super good looking. Yeah. Cherie, spoiler alert. Cherie posts a picture of her dad. There's one really, really good one that I love. Um, I think he's camping. Mm. And he's wearing sunglasses and a really cool '90s like or '80s shirt with like the cu- like the colored cuff on the sleeves. He just mm. looks. He looks. He's wearing sunglasses okay. in that picture. Yeah. I don't know. You post yeah. that one a lot, and I like that one the most. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, he had some great style. He, did. <laughs> he was a classy motherfucker for sure. Um, so, how old were you when your brother was born? You said three years. Yeah, I was three. And what was life like at that time? Do you remember? I don't remember. Okay, like if I'm being totally honest, yeah, no problem. I don't have a great memory Mm -hmm. um, of my childhood. A lot of it is blacked out or you know missing from (laughs) from my mind. But um, but yeah, we from what I remember, we were living in Merino Valley. Um, So I was born in Santa Ana, and then we moved to Merino Valley, and then we moved back to. Huntington Beach when I was about age seven. Okay. Because um, this is where my grandparents lived was in Huntington. Mm-hmm. Um, so we moved back there. Your grandma was a huge part of your life too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. a great lady. Um, but yeah, we uh, we moved to the Continentals. Um, okay. If you're from Huntington, you know where those are. <laughs> <laughs> They're notorious. Um, and I don't really have a whole lot of memories prior to age seven, I would say. Okay. Um, there's a lot of pictures. Yeah, so I, sure. I kind of go off of that. Um, but then it, uh, when I was seven, something happened with my parents. They were using a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad and my mom both liked to drink a lot. Um, but they also got into cocaine mm-hmm. and it was the eighties. Yeah. A lot of people got into Coke. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. The so. drug of choice for many a human in the eighties. Yeah. 
So that that became a problem, I guess, because I remember them fighting a lot. Um, yeah. I remember horrible, horrible fights, um, you know, some physical, some just verbal, but yeah, just awful times. What were you and your brother doing? Um, usually just hiding in the room. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Did they stay together, your parents? Um, so that at around age eight, um, I, the last memory I have of living in that place was my parents got in a fight and I remember seeing a police car driving my dad away and I couldn't understand what happened. Yeah. And I was just like, what, what happened? You know? Yeah. Um, I don't remember the reason for it. My, I've tried to ask my mom about it. She doesn't remember either. Uh-huh. Um, but from that point, my understanding is that my dad went to jail um, and then he went to like an inpatient rehab sure. center. They probably court ordered him. Yeah. Right? It was probably some sort of a substance abuse fueled right. argument. And then he goes to jail for it. And then when you get out of jail, they tell you, OK, now you have to go to treatment in mm-hmm. order to fulfill the, the, the court ordered like punishment for mm-hmm. what whatever crime you committed or whatnot. Right. Yeah. OK. So how long was he there for? Um, I didn't see him again for like, I want to say over a year, maybe two years. Whoa. Because after that, um, you know, my mom, it was a a one parent household at that point. My Mm -hmm. mom had filed for divorce. Uh, My mom wasn't working. So we didn't have any income other than uh, welfare Mm -hmm. food stamps. So we ended up homeless for two years. When you were eight? Mm Mm-hmm. Between eight and 10. Where'd you live? Uh... (laughs) We had this wonderful 69 Buick <laughs> that was the color of Kermit the Frog. I'll oh never God. forget. Oh it was the God. most awful thing you'd ever seen. <laughs> and um, so we lived in that when we couldn't get like a motel room uh-huh. or, you know, crash on somebody's couch or living in a shelter. What about your grandparents? Well, so my mom actually got really, really bad into drugs after that happened, mm-hmm. um, but not with cocaine. She actually got into meth. Okay. And that kind of just was an awful downward spiral. Um, Nobody ever like came and got you and your brother and said like, you can't be in this situation. You need to be in a like safer environment. Nobody knew. Um, She kind of kept us hidden. Um, We went to like three. I went to three different elementary schools in one year. We kept like bouncing around because we couldn't find anywhere to live. Um, So I don't. I actually wonder quite a bit, like, I can't believe that CPS yeah. never intervened. Yeah. You know? Um, but it never happened. Wow. Yeah. So you were homeless for how long? Uh, two years. Okay. Yeah. And then what happened? So eventually, um, my mom agreed to move into my grandparents' house in Huntington, uh, which was a godsend. If we hadn't done that, I don't know where who we would have ended up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we ended up staying there until I moved out at age 17. So you were with your grandma and your grandpa and your mom and your brother Mm -hmm. in Huntington beach. Mm -hmm. And then you moved out at the age of 17 Mm -hmm. and where'd you go? Um, I first moved in with my friend Paula into garden Grove. Um, I rented a room from them. Okay. And then from there, so many different places. (laughs) That was where it started. Were you ever homeless again? Nope. No. Do you remember being homeless? Mm-hmm. Okay. What was the, what, as an eight-year-old, like, do you think, like, oh, do you have any, like, ah, uh, we were just camping, or it was fun, we got to, no, it's, no, it, it was, was horrible. awful. It was awful. Um, I think that the hardest part of it all was 
feeling like everybody knows, you know, like you go to school in the same clothes, like you haven't taken a shower. Yeah. Um, even at eight. Yeah. And like not having anything to eat, you know, when the other kids are eating and, um, like, you know, living out of your car, it's, it's full. Like, Mm -hmm. so there's barely any room for us. So you can just look at a car and know when somebody's living out of it. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it was, it was horrible. It was a very, very difficult time. Do you think it affected your brother differently than you? I think so. Yeah. Me and my brother are pretty different in that regard. Um, but I think the main difference is that I've sought mental health support for what I've, you know, what has happened to mm-hmm. me since then. Whereas, um, I think my brother just, he, he wasn't open to that. What happened to your dad? Um, so in <clears throat> 2007, he, uh, apparently I didn't know he was sick, but he was sick. Uh, he lived in Riverside at the time and he lived in a, um, like a mobile home, mm-hmm. but it wasn't mobile. Um, mm-hmm. what was it? <laughs> like it a trailer park? A trailer. He uh-huh. lived in a trailer, um, on somebody's property and, um, he was aged 54 and I just remember getting a call from, um, the Riverside coroner, somebody from the Riverside police department. And they said, you know, is this, is your father, you know, Robbie Davis? And I said, yes. Um, and they were like, well, we need you to, to come out here and talk to us. And I was 24 at the time. So that just freaked me out. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and then at that same exact time, my brother was calling me. So I switched over and my brother told me that they had found my dad dead. Okay. How did he find that out? And you didn't, um, Apparently they had called me a few times, but I was watching a movie, so I had my ringer off. Ugh. So they got a hold of him first. And he died because he was sick? Well, um, the coroner report said that he had evidence of um, heart disease. Uh-huh. Um, he had some other stuff going on um, that was related to his drinking because he was a chronic alcoholic. Yeah. So um, the manner or the cause of death was listed as cardiac arrest from heart disease. So had you been talking to him? Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. it was, uh, you were amicable. You oh, yeah. hung out with him. You spent time with him. He wasn't yeah. someone that like when he drank, you didn't, you weren't around and he, he wanted to be around you. He was yeah. in your life. He was a great dad. Yeah. It's just, um, with his drinking, unfortunately, there was a lot of barriers. Um, you know, I I would be lucky if I could catch him at a time when he wasn't buzzed. Sure. Like he was the type that would wake up and start drinking immediately. Mm-hmm. And, you know. What was his favorite band? ZZ Top? ZZ Top. <laughs> you got to see them, right? Oh, yes. I Multiple know, but the, times. did their guitar player just die? Yeah, their bass player. Oh, their bass player. Yeah. Oh, Dusty Hill. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Super that, sad about that. So that, did that... Sp- like spin you into a, like a, were you already having symptoms of anxiety at that point? Um, you know what? Not that, not that I noticed or not that I even recognized was anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it really like took hold. Yeah. It never, it didn't really like, uh, become evident until I want to say like 2010, because when he passed away, it was just so traumatic because I got the call that he was gone and I had to go there the next day to pick up his belongings, clear out his trailer. And I didn't realize that it, his body had been there for a few days. What? Yeah. They so, didn't tell you? Well, they told me that they didn't know how long he had been there. But, oh. you know, when you've never experienced that, you don't know what to expect. So I showed up and I was like, 
like, wow, you know, like there, there was stuff I didn't want to see, things I didn't want to smell. Um, yeah. So that was very traumatic. And then I had to plan the funeral, uh, order his ashes, all that stuff. So I didn't really have time to grieve. It was like, you know, I kind of just uh, dissociated from it. Yeah. And then 2010 is when I started having panic attacks. So about six years? No. Eight years after? Three. Mm -hmm. Oh, three. Yeah. 2007. Yeah. He died. Okay. So three years later and then the panic attacks started. And what, and all this time, what is your mom doing? Um, well, she was still at my grandparents' house. Okay. Um, You know, unfortunately she, she never, uh, got help for her meth addiction. So she kept using, um, and anybody who knows somebody with a, a meth addiction, it's, the relationship is very superficial. Mm -hmm. So like, I remember telling her that my dad passed away and she just had very little emotion. Like she was like, Oh, that's really sad. And that was kind of her reaction. The father of her two children. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But you know, unfortunately that's kind of where her mind was at. That was the effects that her addiction had on her. How did it, how did it affect your brother? Um, it, it was really, really, really hard on my brother because they didn't have a great relationship. So, um, I feel like he never really got to like have the close bond that a son should have with his father. And then, you know, consequently never got that closure either. Yeah. So it was definitely hard on him. That's upsetting. I have statistics about mental health and homelessness. Actually, there's a lot of, um, documents when I was researching for, for this show, I wanted to kind of touch upon all aspects of mental health and every single website lists substance abuse as a mental health crisis, as a mental health problem. Mm -hmm. And I really, on the one hand, appreciate that because it is, it's an illness and it is one that takes the lives of far too many human beings, whether or not it's, it's secondhand or, or, like in your father's case, heart disease, but it was because of substance abuse or <clears throat> individuals who overdose. I mean, in the United States right now, people are overdosing on, on fentanyl. Like it's yeah, like it's fucking Coke in the eighties. Like mm-hmm. it's terrible. The amount of substance abuse happening in this country. And, uh, according to the substance abuse and mental health services administration or SAMHSA, um, 25% of the homeless population in the United States suffer from some form of mental illness compared to only 6% of Americans that suffer. So when you look at the population of the United States, about 6% of Americans suffer from a mental health condition, but 25% of homeless individuals do. And most places cite uh, mental illness as one of the top three causes of homelessness. And a lot of people don't understand. Um, it's not that these individuals who are becoming homeless become mentally ill after they're homeless. There was a whole lot of redistribution of individuals in the seventies. A lot of, um, hospitals that were like live in hospitals Mm -hmm. for people with mental illnesses shut down Mm -hmm. and all of those people subsequently were put out on the streets Mm -hmm. and a lot of those people are still there yeah uh and there are no hospitals now that just focus on mental health there you have like maybe 10 beds at college hospital in Mm -hmm. costa mesa or maybe 30 beds at la mesa in Mm -hmm. los angeles and these people have to fight for these beds and now 
unless you tell them you want to kill yourself, they don't let you in the hospital. Yep. You have to lie and say, mm-hmm. I'm going to kill myself or someone else. And then you can stay for three days. Mm-hmm. And then they let you go. Yeah, sometimes less than that. Sometimes 24 hours yeah. if they can figure out that you're lying. Exactly. <laughs> um, there's not a lot of homeless shelters um, that have enough beds for the amount of homeless people. And when someone has a mental health condition like depression or bipolar, they can be difficult to be around. Mm-hmm. And they can get in altercations with their family. It can make it difficult for them to work. It can make it difficult for them to hold a job. It can make it difficult for them to pay for their medications. Mm-hmm. And if you can't pay for your medications and be stable, and you're getting in fights with the people that you live with, and those individuals don't want to tolerate that behavior anymore, you don't have an option but yeah. to be homeless because of mental health. So it's not that these individuals are homeless and then get sick. It's that they're sick and their sickness is a causation to mm-hmm. their homelessness. So the fact that you were homeless um, as a child, 1,000%, I think, is the reason your heart is so devoted to the homeless community. Do you agree? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Um, you know, looking back, I try to be grateful for that experience because had it not happened, I really don't know what, what I would have done with my life. Like, I'm one of those people, like, I never made a plan B. <laughs> like, since age eight, I'm like, I'm going to be a social worker. Like, that's what I wanted to do. And I think it was mainly to make peace with that part of my life, but obviously to help others as well, but selfishly to make peace with that experience. That's not selfish. <laughs> that's not selfish at all. Um, a lot of individuals, um, because of their childhood trauma, develop a mental health issue Mm -hmm. later in life. Um, Do you think the death of your father caused your anxiety and your panic attacks? Or do you think that that was always there? Um, Well, so throughout this past decade, I've seen quite a few therapists and (laughs) they seem to have differing opinions on it. But interesting. uh, In in terms of the anxiety, uh, that is most likely directly connected to my childhood, just never feeling safe, um, you know, being homeless and all the trauma that came with that, but mm-hmm. also having two parents that, you know, were addicts and mm-hmm. couldn't take care of us. Um, that's where the anxiety definitely stemmed from. Um, in terms of the panic attacks, um, I've been diagnosed with PTSD and panic disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, that is likely connected to my father's death, but also the death of my um, my grandpa. grandpa. Oh, your grandpa. Yeah, um, and my grandma. Um, yeah. The two stable people. Right. How did your grandfather pass? So, um, yeah, he was a really sad part of that childhood story, too. So my uncle um, overdosed and died in that house that I grew up in with my grandparents. Were you there? No, okay. I, I didn't live there at that time. He he um, overdosed in 92. Is this your mother's brother? Uh-huh. Okay. This was the same year we became homeless. So it was okay. just a year of a, like A chaos. year of hell. Yeah. So um, he was only 31, Ugh. and he overdosed and died um, of heroin in that home and my grandpa found him. And since that day for 25 years, my grandpa tried to drink himself to death. Oh shit. And we saw that every day in that house. Oh my so, God. Yeah. And then when he passed away in 2005, um, he had been staying in a, a skilled nursing facility mm-hmm. for a few weeks cause he had a stroke and he was not taken care of well there. Um, God, so, yeah. we could do a whole podcast on skilled nursing (laughs) facilities fuck those places shit so with with all that loss and just the you know the way that they went um you know that kind of led to the ptsd and 
dealing with that. A lot of people say that substance abuse is hereditary and you certainly would be a poster child for that, right? You have so much substance abuse in your history. Have you ever in your life thought to yourself, I'm doing too much, I'm using, I'm drinking too much? Or have you <laughs> always just had this kind of like, no wherewithal, like I, I know when to stop, I'm fine, mm-hmm. I'm good? Um, there's been moments like in my teenage years, my early 20s, where, you know, I kind of learned my limits the hard way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we've all been there. Um, <laughs> but uh, since then, I I haven't really had that that thought. Mm-hmm. I know that when when the pandemic started and we, we had to like shelter in place, I started drinking a lot more. Yeah, same. You know, but not <laughs> like, like everyone did to the point of drunkenness. It was right. more just like I need this red wine to just, you know, get rid of this anxiety <laughs> about my fear of going outside. Good God. <laughs> okay, so talk to me about the pandemic. How did that affect your anxiety? Because you had gotten it to a place of actually hold on back it up you and i went through anxiety at the same time we both struggled i've struggled with anxiety my entire life Mm -hmm. i have been an anxious human i think i came out of the womb anxious (laughs) i'm pretty sure i'm just an anxious being um and i have anxiety for similar reasons not not substance abuse but just because of how i was raised it was just very um you're not good enough um you know when you know you're never going to go anywhere you're never going to do anything mm-hmm. like and, and so i constantly question myself as mm-hmm. a person am i okay am i good enough am i doing enough am i helping enough am i a good helper am i a good girl am i taking care of people am i helping like it's this constant question of is it enough mm-hmm. and you and i have talked so often about what has worked for us for anxiety and you have tried everything for anxiety. Yeah. Am I wrong? Ev- ev- no, I literally mean, everything. I'm still looking for things, You're, but I have tried everything. <laughs> you have not tried point. everything because you haven't found everything. <laughs> right. Have you tried, you tried marijuana? Oh yeah. Did we, that help? We do not mix. Me no, and THC, <laughs> we've never been friends. Never been friends. It makes it worse. What about CBD? Love CBD. Love CBD. CBD has been awesome with helping with my insomnia and my anxiety. Okay. Does your insomnia, be, is, is it because of your anxiety? Do you get the racing thoughts? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are yours stupid like mine? It's never like a thing. It's more just that my brain won't shut off. Mine, it just thinks that mine it's goes daytime. into thought holes where, mm. oh, my God, if 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 my mom has cancer, what if I get can- what if my sister gets cancer? Then who's going to have her kids? And what am I going to do if my sister gets cancer and I have to go to Seattle and then I'm going to have to not teach in the fall? If I don't teach in the fall, do you think they'll let me teach in the spring? And if they don't let me teach in the fall, do you think they'll let me do it remotely? If they don't let me do it remotely, does that mean I can't live out my dream? Because this is my dream. And what if I can't have my dream? Like It's a hell of a spiral. It's a bad spiral. Yeah. That's what that's what my brain does at nighttime. Okay. Yeah, mine's not like that bad. Mine's more just that it won't shut off and I cannot sleep. It's like that lists? weird limbo where you're just you're oh, not yeah. asleep, but you're not awake. Oh, yeah. You're just twitchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I call I that, that. I, what do I call that? I have a, I have a term for it. I'll think of it. Okay. I tell, I tell it to Kevin all the time. Cause I too suffer from ridiculous insomnia. Yeah. Um, you tried antidepressants. Yeah. Lexapro. I'm still on Lexapro. I've been mm-hmm. on Lexapro for 10 years. Yep. I remember when you started it and you were very happy with the results from it. Yeah. Did you notice that it affects your sex drive? Oh yeah. 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 And that's why my dosage has kind of fluctuated throughout Mm -hmm. the years. Like it's gone up to 20 and then it's gone back down to five and it's Mm -hmm. gone up to 10 and it, you know, because 
it's a great drug. It's worked great for me. Mm-hmm. I know everybody has a different experience, but um, the higher the dose, the more numb you become. Absolutely. And that's what I don't like about it is like, I wasn't having emotions. Right. I was mentally, emotionally, physically numb. And yeah. I was like... Which is great. Because yeah. sometimes with anxiety, I would love to be numb. Like, I would love sure. to not feel the beats of my heart. Yep. That would be great. Yep. I would love to not feel my pulse in my throat. <laughs> yeah, I would love or hear to hear it in my ear. Or hear it in my <laughs> ear hole. Um, but then at the same time, it does affect... A lot of other things. It's hard to be really happy. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be sad. Mm-hmm. It's hard to um, have an orgasm. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's when I knew that I had to. I had to go back down. Was because I wasn't crying anymore. I was just. And you know me. I I will cry. <laughs> you show <Same>. me like. <laughs> Show me like the dumbest animal video or like a, re- oh my God, a video about military. reuniting oh veterans. God, Forget re- about it. She used to send me reuniting <sighs> veterans and I'm like, do you want me to die? Like, do you want me to like... You know what's worse than that? The pets. Yes. The pets. Oh, oh I don't even freak see. out. Just like, talking about it, I'm getting I know that smell. I, I know that smell. Yeah. I know that person. Oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> and the whining and the... Oh God. And they it's, jump in their arms. Sheree yeah. and I send each other um, animal videos just and just with the caption I'm dead like usually or like any variation thereof like I'm on my way to heaven Cherie because of this dog you want to join me and she's like I'm already in the boat like let's go is there room in your coffin is there room in your coffin I'm joining you (laughs) yeah so when I realized like even that wasn't doing it for me anymore Mm -hmm. you know you already said it like it affects your sex life like I was like okay you know what I'm gonna taper down and see if I can still maintain this not having panic attacks thing. But you were with another person when you started the Lexapro. Right. Did that person accept your anxiety and help you through it and like understand like the fluctuation in your sex drive? Were they a good partner for that? Um, I don't remember in, in terms of like the, the sex drive, uh, but I do remember that that person didn't understand what I was going through because I didn't understand what I was going through. Okay. So I couldn't advocate for my needs. I couldn't even explain what was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it wasn't until like two or three years later when I was diagnosed with panic disorder. So for those years, I was just a hot mess thinking that I had a heart condition. So, you know, when you're with somebody, yeah, no, I saw so many cardiologists. They're like, you're fine, dude. And I'm like, you're lying. You are lying. You do not understand what's happening in here. There are literal tap dancers on my heart. Yeah. Like I, I wore a halter monitor for six months thinking Mm -hmm. that I had atrial fibrillation. I looked it up on Google. (laughs) Like I have this. Yeah. I was 100% convinced. I went to the ER so many times. I called Mm. 911 on a regular basis. Interesting that you say that because people with anxiety disorder are five times more likely to go to the doctor and six times more likely to be hospitalized Mm -hmm. than individuals without anxiety disorders. They are also three times more likely to be hospitalized for psychiatric care than anyone without anxiety disorder and anyone with any other mental health condition. And it's because anxiety and panic mimic health problems. Yeah. yeah. And when you're stuck in this spiral of fear and then your heart starts to hurt and your arm starts to go numb and your throat starts to close, mm-hmm. you're dry. You got to go <laughs> to the, what if I, but what if I, am having a heart attack this exactly. time but what yep. if i am yeah that's yeah 
that's what the health things the health anxiety is a whole other thing but it's Oof. it's so the physical symptoms are so brutal and so real you know it's it was a really rough time and my partner at the time you know obviously he didn't know how to help and I didn't know how to ask for help because I didn't know what it was you didn't know you needed um, help so that was that was a tough time but you know once you were diagnosed was there compassion um I want to say yes. I don't really, I don't remember exactly how it was, but I do remember that the medication helped significantly. So mm-hmm. I wasn't having panic attacks as often. I wasn't, you know, t- <laughs> demanding that he drive me to the hospital every day. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I feel like it got better in that regard. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, it, as with, he- you know, any mental health diagnosis, it's yeah. a journey. I so. remember a time that you didn't want to be on medication anymore mm-hmm. and you wanted to do it without medication. Yeah. And so you got off Lexapro. Mm-hmm. You stopped drinking caffeine. Mm-hmm. You stopped taking medication for your panic. Mm-hmm. What did you do? Yeah, that, that actually worked really well. Um, I just really... I don't, I don't really remember exactly what it was. I, I think that was around the same time that I discovered CBD. Uh-huh. And I started taking that regularly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Because yeah. you and I both, I was like, I found these CBD gummies to go to sleep. And you <laughs> yes. were like, girl, give those to me. <laughs> I was like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that was great. Um, what made you get back on Lexapro? Um, I think, it, so I, there was another loss. Um, my grandma passed away. Mm-hmm. And um and she wasn't found until like a couple of days later. So it was like reliving that oh trauma again God. that sparked um, sparked those those attacks again. But when there was, was this? A, um, she passed away in 2013. But what I've noticed is that it doesn't always you don't always feel the effects immediately. Sometimes it takes a year or yeah. two for your subconscious to be like, hey, that happened. We're going to remember that happened until you deal with it. Mm-hmm. So my symptoms came back. Um, and then in, gosh, I want to say I was getting pretty bad around 2016, 2017. Mm-hmm. And that's when I had a um, what they call a nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's a really fantastic place to take a break. Cool. I have to pee. I know. <laughs> I can see you squirming. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to talk about Sheree's uh, nervous breakdown. And then we're going to talk about um, anxiety and how it feels so that people know they're not crazy because uh, <laughs> you're not. Please enjoy this amazing 1990s song that I picked just for you. This is actually, um, Billy Joe said that he wrote this about his own panic and um, anxiety disorder that he was diagnosed with. 1994. It's a great fucking song. <laughs> great, a great album. Song. Great album. Amazing. I learned how to play bass guitar off this album. You know, every time they have a show, they invite someone up on stage to play a song. My really? friend DJ yeah. Rawstar, um, who was on plug for my podcast on the So So Scrutiny podcast. So So Scrutiny podcast. Easy. Easy. Sorry, um, I'm sorry. I'm I, I appreciate the enthusiasm. It's a good <laughs> podcast. Uh, we had him on, and he's a the ultimate Green Day fan. Like, I don't want to meet another Green Day fan that's bigger than him ever. He owns weird shit, and he <laughs> was able to go on stage and kiss Billy Joe on the lips and on play the guitar. Yeah. So he's got he's got video oh online. Yeah, it's that pretty great. Gangster. It's pretty great. Yeah. Okay, we're taking a break. We'll be right back with Sheree. Okay, Sit bye. tight. It all keeps setting up I think I'm 
Hey everyone, it's Corey and Robert from the So So Scrutiny Podcast. A little background on us. I've been a school teacher for seven years. I have a brand new baby and I love to read. And I've been working in the film industry for the past six years. I don't want kids. And the most reading I do is Netflix captions. Every week, Corey and I scrutinize movies, music, video games, food, and everything in between. We have some of our closest friends to stop by to scrutinize stuff with us and share their stories. Plus, some amazing musicians we know like the Dares and Jordan from Newfound Glory. I also invite some incredible filmmakers I've had the pleasure to work with on the podcast to talk about their careers and the industry. Download the So So Scrutiny podcast for free on iTunes, Spotify, and most podcast platforms. Or visit SoSoScrutiny.com for every episode, videos, merch, and more. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Robert. I'm Corey. The So So Scrutiny podcast. Welcome back, fellow humans. Little ZZ Top there. Rest in peace, Dusty. Rest in peace, Dusty. God damn. What you were saying earlier makes a lot of sense. These guys should not have been popular. Like, in the time frame that they had come out, that's not the time. Maybe now, but like... Oh, for sure now. Pinnacle MTV? No. No way. Hell no. It was like young, skinny... Dudes British looking dudes. like girls. It was Dran Dran. But it was, yeah, but also like Guns and Roses yeah. and all those dudes. And but they just these knew how to a, fucking rock. These bro. guys had a cult following. Yep, I I was one of them. Couple stats for you: uh, women are twice as likely to be as fe- affected by anxiety and panic disorder as men. And generalized anxiety disorder is actually the most common mental health condition in America. So it it outranks depression, which I learned today. I didn't know that. So I'm I'm glad I'm not alone. Um, I'm glad I'm not alone in that. And I'm glad that I'm not alone in my friend circle. So there, we have some friends who don't suffer from anxiety. And so it is difficult to verbalize when you are having panic. Mm -hmm. The fear that is unquenchable there's nothing that stops the fear and the fear is larger than you and it is really fucking terrifying and you were one of the only people i could i've i've called you so many times been like hi i need a minute (laughs) of your time can you just like talk me through this and like who is that person for you um well i mean thankfully it's not something that I've had to deal with too much um, as of late, but since meeting my husband, it's been him. Mm -hmm. And it's actually, it's such a blessing that he can be that person for me because he has not experienced any of that. Like he's not an anxious person. He, you know, is very no, mentally. Rick is extremely unanxious, he's unbothered, <laughs> <laughs> unfuckwithable, yeah. very level-headed. Like you know, so I can. I've called him countless times in the in the throes of a panic attack, and I'm like, "Hi, I don't feel good." And he knows what that means. Mm-hmm. 
So he'll just, I'll just be like, tell me a story. And he'll just start talking and just tell me something dumb or like make a dad joke or like, you know, <laughs> he'll tell me like something ridiculous. And it, it's pulled me out of it so many times because I just need that distraction. Yeah. I am not uh, as lucky that it, distraction works. I am lucky that my husband is, is my person. Mm-hmm. He's my go-to person, but sometimes I don't want to lean on him all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like I need to spread out the love and I get anxiety. I was getting anxiety uh, quite a bit, actually. So I'm going to tell the listeners a story. And if you've made it this long, congratulations, you get a prize. (laughs) Um, I told Cherie this story. I didn't really tell any of our other friends this story. Mm. So um, about a year and a half ago in 2019, before the pandemic, I was I was struggling with anxiety and insomnia and um, night terrors mm-hmm. that were because I was because I was stuffing the anxiety down during the daytime, it was coming out at nighttime. So I was not anxious in the day. I was very controlled, very calm. So my anxiety would exit my body at night and I would get up and run out of my room. I would think the house was on fire. I would think someone was trying to murder me. I've thrown my husband across the room in the middle of my sleep thinking that I was saving his life. Poor man. (laughs) He's a saint. I dislocated. I herniated a disc because I fell when I was running out of my room. I was a danger to myself and I couldn't control them. It was I would wake up and be like still in the throes of anxiety. My heart was racing. Mm -hmm. I was sure there was a threat. And I started being afraid to go to sleep. So I started getting insomnia and it was awful. It was, I was, I couldn't sleep. I remember one night in like August of 2019, I just went out and laid on the couch and it, uh, oh, I call it sleep on top of sleep. I'm not sleeping. I'm sleeping. It's like sleeping on top of the covers. Mm. Like I'm not asleep. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm on top of sleep Mm -hmm. and it's, it's, I can see light through my eyelids and it's not real sleep. Right. And I laid out on the couch and I just started crying because I was so tired. I was so tired. And Kevin came out and he's like, what can I do? And I'm like, I don't know. And so he drew me a bath and like filled it with lavender. And it was three in the morning. And he sat in the room with me while I took a bath. And Mm -hmm. I was just sobbing in the bathtub, just uncontrollably. And I got Ativan from my doctor because I was like I need sleep this it's been weeks I need sleep and he was like okay okay I'll give you a prescription for Ativan and I slept for the first time in months and it was amazing but the rebound effect from Ativan if you take it at night is that you have anxiety during the daytime and I wasn't used to that so I started having horrific anxiety and I had it absolutely drilled into my head that for some reason Kevin didn't love me And he was going to leave me. Mm. And every day that went by, everything that he did, whether it was he wouldn't text me back right away or he was silent at dinner, I took that piece of information and tucked it away. And I was certain with a with I would have bet all my money that he was going to leave me. So on Christmas of 2019, I decided I'm going to do him a favor and I'm going to leave him. Mm, I remember that. And I'm not going to tell him and I'm going to probably just fly somewhere and I'm just going to go start another life. And I'm not, I don't want to die. I don't, I love living, but I'm just going to ease that burden for him and I'm going to go. And I wrote him a letter and I left and I went to my grandmother's house for Christmas and you were there and no one fucking knew how desperate I had all my things in my car and Kevin called me and texted me and he's like, you get your ass back home right fucking now. 
we're having a conversation and he's like I don't know what's going on but I love you and I'm not going anywhere and maybe you need to get some help <clears throat> so the next thing I did was called Kaiser I got Kaiser insurance the Cadillac of Kaiser right I pay an ass load of money for this insurance I got a therapist I got on Zoloft which helps the rebound effect for the daytime anxiety I got medication to help me sleep mm -hmm. and I eliminated toxicity from my life I stopped talking to a person mm -hmm. who I think was the cause of my anxiety my mother and when I cut her out of my life I stopped having panic attacks just recently we found out she has cancer so I opened that portal back up and I've had three panic attacks in the last week oh man yeah they suck yeah but now I'm on top of it and I'm like, no, fuck that noise. Mm -hmm. I am not, not dealing with that. So I blocked her again because mm -hmm. I just I, I know what my trigger is mm -hmm. and I know what causes the struggle within my own chest. Mm -hmm. And so I ended it. Yeah. What was your nervous breakdown? Um, I think mine was more just related to, you know, a lot of repressed emotions and things like that. And the past traumas, obviously. But I think what the tipping point was, was that I was in grad school. Mm -hmm. So I was going through an online two year, eight month program. I was working full time mm -hmm. and I had an internship. So seven days a week, I was grinding. I had no time off. I had no self care I didn't see you for like three years. Right. <laughs> I was not doing anything fun. Um, during that time, I wasn't taking care of myself. I, I didn't know how I didn't I couldn't see the future and how this was going to affect me, right? So there was a point in June, I think it was 2017, when I remember the moment. I remember Rick telling me, like, hey, um, my best friend David's getting married, and this is the date, and it's this, you know, it's coming up the next weekend. And I remember thinking, like, but I have a paper that's due next week, and I, have, I can't get the time off of work. And so many things just piled up in my brain that I felt something snap. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like anything I heard or, you know, it wasn't physical, it was mental. And I felt something snap. And I was like, I don't know what just happened, but this is not good. <laughs> <laughs> and then for seven days, I didn't sleep. <sighs> I was wide awake for seven days. Um, still working, still intern, still going to school, doing my classes, but not sleeping. I just couldn't. I tried everything. I drank a bottle of wine. I took, um, what did I take? Probably like... Xanax or something mm -hmm. that didn't work. Um, CBD, all the things, nothing was all working. of the things. Yeah. So when you, when you start trying to force yourself oh, to God. sleep, the anxiety almost gets worse. Oh my God. Again, it's the worst. Because there's like the fear that this isn't going to work. What if it doesn't work? What if I can't ever sleep? And then again? you feed the anxiety oh, and the yeah. insomnia. So by the seventh day I was like, okay, I, I can't do this anymore. This is, I don't know how to fix this. So I drove myself to the hospital. I remember when you told us yeah. that you were going to the hospital. And I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> what, we, what can we do? How can we help? What, what do you need? Yeah. Did you stay there? Only a few hours because they, you know, I wasn't suicidal. I wasn't talking yeah. about hurting other people. It was more just like, I don't know how to sleep. Like, yeah. please give me something. What'd they do? They gave me Ambien. Oh, and um, I hate Ambien. Yeah, no, I didn't like it either. Okay. But but it broke that pattern. Sure, so I sure. slept for like three hours, oh. and that was a victory. Yeah. So, but since then, it's been a it's been a struggle. Still. <laughs> yeah. Do you still struggle with sleep? Um, I go in in waves. Like during summertime, it's awful. I I can hardly sleep during summer because of the heat. The heat, and I think that 
my brain just remembers that time in 2017 when I couldn't sleep and it almost like did COVID exacerbate your anxiety in the beginning? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think for all of us, I would, I'd be interested to see the statistics and how, how much they changed last year because everyone was dealing with something we hadn't dealt with before. Right. A very scary thing. Very scary. Like anxiety provoking for people who probably never felt it before. Um, so yeah, we had to shelter in place. So I worked from home for two months, and that was really hard. really hard. <laughs> we did cocktails via Zoom. Yes, <laughs> thank God. We would do self care via Zoom, yep. so we'd all have like face masks and and martinis mm-hmm. in our hands, and we tried to do that. But then even that gets monotonous and and frustrating for people. And we tried really mm-hmm. hard. We did brunch. Do you remember when we did brunch in my back in my carport? Yes. That was for our wedding anniversary. <laughs> for your, for your one year anniversary, anniversary. We went to Mama's and got Bloody Marys and brunch and we, we tailgated in we my tailgated. carport and socially distanced. Like uh, was it was weird. hard. It was <clears throat> yeah. a weird time. Um, did you have any panic attacks last year? Yeah, I did. Um, <clears throat> I don't remember when they happened. I tend to have them when my heart rate gets elevated. So mm-hmm. I've had them in the dumbest places like the gym. <laughs> I've had them um, getting my nails done, getting my hair done on when I'm driving in my car. So I'm sure I, I, I had quite a few last year. Um, but I think for me, the biggest thing was that my anxiety just became a lot more pronounced because of everything that was happening and not knowing when is this going to end? Like it still isn't over. I, exactly. But like not being able to do the normal things you. Right. You know, it was it was really weird. Yeah. How did you and Rick do during COVID? Were you guys happy to be home with each other the whole time did it uh, did it make you guys stronger um well i mean thankfully he was still working right <laughs> so <laughs> he still had his work schedule um but yeah we we're very fortunate in that you know we have a very healthy relationship like we never really bicker like you know yeah. i don't know we just um we tell each other when we need space that's good. Yeah. So like if, if I'm feeling some type of way or I'm feeling claustrophobic, like I just go for a walk and he knows that that means I need time to myself. Um, and he'll go down to the garage and work out and, you know. So for you, what does anxiety feel like? It feels like my chest is on fire. Um, it feels like I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like my brain is just racing and can't hold on to any one thought. Um, it feels like a rapid heart rate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but mainly it's just in my chest is where I feel it the most. And what are your fears? Is it, does it change or do you go, do you circle back to the same thing when you have panic? Um, well, so my, my panic attacks are, are different from my anxiety in that they're very sudden. They're unprovoked. Literally out of nowhere, I'll have a panic attack. I've had them in my sleep. I've <clears throat> woken up with them. Um, That's the worst, by the way. Mm-hmm. For anyone who has not had that, a panic yeah. attack in your sleep is so fucking awful because mm-hmm. you're just dreaming. Mm-hmm. You're just there hanging out, having a dream, and then all of a sudden you're awake and, you're, and you are, death is imminent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to die. So yeah. go somewhere. Yeah. Run. Yeah, so that's the, that's the like underlying fear with the panic attacks is I'm dying mm-hmm. and I'm convinced I'm dying and I need to get medical attention. That's all it is. That's interesting, 
actually. A lot of people's anxiety and panic look different. Some people have anxiety and panic hand in hand. Some people just have anxiety. Mm -hmm. Some people have both. Some people will never have a panic attack. Some people's anxiety is linked to their panic disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, But usually if you have anxiety, you also have a comorbid disorder of either depression or panic disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, I was diagnosed with both anxiety and panic disorder, and I have situational depression. So Mm -hmm. usually I don't get depressed. I'm Mm -hmm. not a sad human being. Like, I'm a golden retriever, and I (laughs) literally love life and ball. (laughs) <laughs> and if ball, if I can't see ball, I get really worried about ball. <laughs> and for me, ball is Kevin. So I get my anxiety about Kevin. And if he doesn't respond, I think he's dead. Oh, same with Rick. Yep. It's just it. Yeah. If he doesn't respond, poor guy. If he doesn't, res- if he wouldn't have answered the phone right now, when I just called him during our break, I would have been like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Why? And he's so good about it. He'll text me. Hey, baby, I'm pooping. <laughs> I can't answer the phone. or I'm in a meeting, I can't answer the phone. If I am in an anxious state, like someone is provoking anxiety to me, poor Kevin gets the brunt. So recently I had genetic results come back saying that my genes might be compromised to breast cancer. And then I had to make a mammogram appointment, which I've never made in my life. Um, my, you know, I'm dealing with my mom's cancer and her behavior and I texted Kevin and it was green. Oh, right. (laughs) Fucking androids. No, he has an iPhone. I know, but yeah. So I'm like, why is it green? Yeah. And so then I called him and it went straight to voicemail. Oh, I know. So then of course he's dead in a ditch. Yep. That's, that's the only, that's the only logical explanation yep. to why two text messages are green and it goes straight to voicemails mm-hmm. that he's dead. So while I'm driving, I'm having a panic attack and my heart um, beats really, really, really fast yep. and it hurts mm-hmm. and it literally, it's painful. It's actually physically painful and my throat starts to close mm-hmm. and I can't get enough oxygen mm-hmm. and then I get ringing in my ears then I'm shake. I shake uncontrollably. I sh- can't even hold something. Mm-hmm. I'm shaking so badly, and I need logic. So you need distraction. I need someone to tell me logistics. Mm-hmm. Like why is the phone green? So mm-hmm. I called my dad, and he's like, "Well, the phone's green because you just got a new phone, and you were probably in an area that didn't have service, and he was probably in an area that he didn't have service. Where where is he usually at this time of day?" And I'm like, "Work." He's like, does he not have good service at work? I'm like, no, not usually. He's like, okay. Do you think he didn't answer the phone because he's in a meeting? I was like, yes, probably. While he's asking me these questions, in my mind, I'm going, I'm going to have to be on the phone with him while he's on the table at Kaiser and he's dying and they're going to put the phone up to his head and I'm going to say, I'm coming. I'm, hold on. I'll be there in a minute. Don't go without me. I'll be right there. This is where my brain goes during anxiety. So... When I say I have to block people that are toxic, it's because I go to that place. Mm-hmm. That's the bad place. Mm-hmm. I don't like to go to the bad place. <laughs> but I was so angry with myself mm. that I had not had a panic attack for a year and a half. Yeah. And then I had one. Yeah. And I was like, it's I fucked it up. I know. It's a, it's like, it's so discouraging. Yeah. Like, you feel like you're like, I don't know. I felt like I was regressing when, when that happened again. I was like damn all that work like a relapse yeah like for a drug addict yeah. like wow you really fucked that up like yep. you really regressed that much and i had to learn my therapist was like therapy by the way unofficial sponsor mm-hmm. fucking therapy 200 have, have you been in therapy consistently for 10 years 
Off and on, yes. Um, off because either my insurance changes or I move or I change jobs or something, but yes. So 60% of individuals who have a mental health condition don't seek treatment for it, mm-hmm. whether it's because they don't think there's something wrong with them mm-hmm. or because they had a bad experience in the past or because they don't have health insurance yeah. or because they're homeless and they can't yeah. get to a doctor. 60% of people with a mental health condition don't get treatment. That's terrifying. It is. Because it's treatment sad. is the only thing that kept me from moving to another country <laughs> <laughs> and leaving everyone because I was a burden, mm-hmm. right? And learning how to unlearn these horrible behaviors of worrying for no good reason. Yeah. Robert, have you ever had a panic attack? Oh, yeah. No way. Dude, you, you, ha- you saw me have one at Disneyland. Oh, that's right. We won't, won't get into it because it's kind of embarrassing. But yeah. It's not like, embarrassing. Well, it was. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. But yeah. And that wasn't the only ex- the only example. Yeah. It runs in my family. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. What does it feel like for you? Um, that I'm, like, I'm going to explode from the inside. Mm-hmm. Like there's. Okay. <clears throat> I don't know. I'm not going to. I don't feel like I'm going to die. I just was like I'm helpless and. There's something inside in me that it just bleh, it's mm-hmm. gonna. I'm gonna feel like the drummer from Spinal Tap and <laughs> what is that called? Spontaneous spontaneously ex- combust. I, you know, I was thinking too, like Ashley, what would you do if you were a lady in the 1940s? Oh God! And didn't have like telephones or no, let's go even like like 1920s, like not no phones, <laughs> and you didn't get a letter back from Kevin for like a month. Oh my God. Which no, I wouldn't do you that. Would kill yourself. I would die. You would literally I would kill literally yourself. die of a heart attack. And that's yeah. how long a letter would take sometimes. Yeah, yeah. months. I, I wouldn't about. do that. I would be alone. <laughs> I would be alone. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put myself in a position to be in love with someone. Do- doctor probably put you on heroin just to probably. calm you out. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Probably. I mean, we are lucky in the fact that our husbands are tall, like not tolerant, but like tolerant <laughs> tolerant really is a we, good we, word yeah we can use that uh, we can yeah, i might use that <laughs> they understand kevin is very good about getting back to me because i've told him i think you're dead i've called hospitals before have you ever done that have you ever called hospitals thinking he's there <laughs> yeah um because <laughs> yeah. rick knows you guys are come on you ladies sorry you ladies are crazy really yeah like, you go that far yes yeah. I'm well, certain. My husband drives so far to get to work every day and he leaves at like 5:30 in the morning mm-hmm. or earlier. Mm-hmm. And he takes or take a highway. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, if he doesn't text me right when he gets to work mm-hmm. and I wake up and there's no text from him, I'm like he definitely went over he the edge. Definitely went yep. off the road. I kind of had that this weekend. We were shooting this short film and we were wrapping up the day and we sent one of the uh, lady PAs to go get s- some trash bags and our lunch. And she took way longer than oh, she God. needed to. And I didn't have her number and the service was shitty. And I know the road coming up has like no service. And my mind did go like, oh, she she drove off the, the road. Like she's <laughs> and but but then I was like, come on, Robert. Just, so, what the fuck? She, and then 15 minutes later, she just showed up like, hey, everybody, here's your Panda Express. Yeah. I was like, oh, I thought you were dead. Ew, okay. panic. <laughs> I thought you were dead. She's back from Great. the dead with yeah. Chinese food. When I started going to therapy and I got on my medication and I found the right medication, which is so key, mm-hmm. and the right therapist, which mm-hmm. is also key. Yeah. Last year during the pandemic was my least anxious year of my entire life, mm. which is so weird to say. I yeah. felt terrible for everyone who's like, I got anxiety during the pandemic. 
pandemic. Or I got divorced during the pandemic. I was like, yeah, my husband and I are like stronger than ever. And also I had like no anxiety at all. So <laughs> it was, it was amazing because he, like I would get text messages I would text him and I wouldn't get a text message back. And in my head, immediately my brain automatically says he's dead. Mm. But I was able to combat it with, uh, no, he's not. Mm -hmm. He's at work. Mm -hmm. And he will text you mm -hmm. as soon as he gets a moment. And whatever he is doing, you don't have any control over that. I'm so proud of you. And that's okay. And literally within five minutes. I mean, the day I had a panic attack, he called me 15 minutes later. Yeah. Like, no idea that I was panicking and he FaceTimed me and he's like, Hey babe, just got out of a meeting. And I was like, hi, Hey, how are you? And he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm having a panic attack. And he's like, where are you? Do you need me to come to you? And I'm like, Nope, just really glad you FaceTimed. Really glad I can see you. I'm really glad that I can see that you're alive. Will you just talk to me until you get home into the driveway? And he was like, yeah, totally. What are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to work off all this cortisol because I am full <laughs> of stress hormones and I need to get it out of my body. That's I, all it is, right? It's just time. Time. It just and like I don't have panic attacks as much as you ladies, <laughs> but I I have deal, I have I'll be honest I have dealt with my anger for, for mm -hmm. a lot of my mm -hmm. life and recently I've found that if I am in a moment of just like I want to rip my fucking walls down and I'm literally going to do it. I also just tell myself, like, in 15 minutes, you're not going to feel like this. Mm. Like, in a half an mm. hour, you're going to feel silly. Like, <laughs> you're just give it a second, go walk around, take yourself, and it, it goes away. And then I go, yeah, I was right. And that's my new thing. It's just like, just wait it out. I, I mm -hmm. know what you're feeling right now, Robert. It's it's awful. But in a day, you're going to be like, why was I doing that? Why was that? I so mad? I'm so mad on this stupid thing. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's out of my control sometimes. Most of the time, too. It's like, yeah. yeah. So I think it's that's their time. I, advice to it's you. It's extremely. Just, it sucks for that moment for that, ugh. like, maybe hour it takes mm -hmm. sometimes. But just know, I think my, the back of my mind, just know, like, in less than a day, I'll, I'm, I'll be right back to normal quote unquote the only you know? problem at least that's how my I do mm -hmm. tell myself like it's good it, you're gonna he's gonna call like yeah. in five minutes he's gonna yeah. you're gonna be fine but it's that eminent like doom right yeah. like if my siblings call me I always answer mm -hmm. but I will never not answer the phone same with my brother or even my mom for that matter if they call me I I assume something's wrong so I yep. answer yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> yep always mm -hmm. and it's usually like, one day they all called me within five minutes and I was like working i'm like oh my god <laughs> i ran outside and called all of them back i'm like are you okay <laughs> yeah i was just calling the chat i have to go are you okay <laughs> yep just calling to tell you about this giant poop i just took okay i have to go are you okay yeah why it said your name great i have so to go it was just a coincidence that they were all calling yep, you just a coincidence little fuckers <laughs> i like your how dare they voice. do that to you <laughs> where is she <laughs> where's rachel <laughs> I'm dead. Oh, that's good stuff. Man without a microphone, do you have panic? Yeah. No, you don't. Do you I think really? everyone does. I don't think you're a human. What do they what do your lies tell you? Big situations that aren't real. Like what? Like, oh, you have to go to sleep at ten thirty tonight and your girlfriend doesn't get off until twelve. She has two hours to cheat on you and she can see she can oh. text you at any given time that she's I'm home and she can be wherever the fuck she wants and I have no control over it. Oh my god. And I lose sleep and I become even crazier. Oh so it's a, it's a it's a bad cycle, but that's just because I got cheated in my first relationship. Trauma. Mm -hmm. But the first anxiety attack I ever had was watching It's a pandemic movie about the birds that were Oh the breakout? 
Wait. And like around 2012, the birds. H1N1, Help me. H one N one. Like a movie about a pandemic. The, like 30 days later. It's or? almost like that, but it's uh, uh. it's just the the virus gets spread by birds. Contagion. Contagion. Oh. Movie gave me a terrible anxiety attack when his wife dies. Oh my god. Oh my god. That's right. Like, your wife passed away, and he's like, "But I was just talking to her. What do you mean?" Oh like, my god. We understand that you're not processing it, and he just like starts getting disconnected from the audio, and that should set on a terrible anxiety attack. <laughs> and I couldn't say a fucking word, and I just sat there watching the movie, and just like. Were you in the theater? Finish. No, I was with uh, Jay oh. and his girlfriend Denise at their house. Oh my god. Oh my What'd you do? I just sat it out, waited it, drank water, just breathed. Just there it is. Just wait it out. Yeah. So, some <laughs> yeah. techniques. Hour and a half movie. You just wait it out. Just wait it out. And then just watch some Finding Nemo after. Then you'll be evened out. <laughs> Balance it I, out with some tearjerker. I do have to monitor what I watch. Do you mm-hmm. monitor things that you take in? Like, is there something oh, that you sure. monitor? That what? What are some things that you refuse to like engage in that you know are going to set off your panic? Um, I don't watch horror movies. I just don't. None of them? No. I love zombie like, movies. Real life is they scary enough, They freak you enough, out or you're man. just not a fan? Um, both. Like, I I really love crime shows. Like, I'll watch those all oh, yeah, day long. Yeah, you're a girl, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a given. <laughs> Girls love murder. It, it's true. I, yep. Yeah. But for some reason, just, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm... I don't want to watch something that's going to give me more anxiety. And for some reason, crime shows don't, okay. but horror movies do. So I just don't watch them. All right. Yeah. It makes sense. I don't watch movies where the spouse dies ever. Yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Here's some ways to calm your anxiety. Um, anxiety is a natural response to stress. So I don't want everyone to think that anxiety is bad because there's some times when you motherfucking need to have anxiety. Like mm-hmm. anxiety can actually drive you to be better. Like mm-hmm. if you're trying to meet a deadline and you're anxious, that's helpful anxiety. But there is unhelpful anxiety. Um, it can produce both physical and emotional symptoms. People with anxiety experience everything from restlessness, irritability, difficulty concentrating, chronic fatigue, nausea, dizziness, worsening worry or fear over periods of time. They can have specific phobias, generalized panic disorder, separation anxiety, hello, (laughs) social anxiety, which I don't have. I'm sad when no one's around. That's when my anxiety. That's that's my thing. Social anxiety? Parties, oh, big crowds. (laughs) You have social anxiety, man without a microphone? Ordering food? I hmm. fucking hate giving people my order, having to properly say something. Oh. I have to like practice it before I get up <laughs> Like at a I've restaurant? I'm going to get a number seven with a medium fries, and then uh, can, can I get a light ice on the Coke plate? And, just, like, and then when you walk up, you're like, can I, I get a number seven? Can, can, can I get light ice? Ruin, ruin all the prep. Like, <laughs> and he orders like a number 15. With <laughs> <laughs> um, if you haven't recognized your triggers... A really good thing to do is to write down, take take notes of, of when you're experiencing the feelings of anxiety. Why do you think you're experiencing this? What is going on around you? Is it exposure to the news? Exposure to social media? Is it arguments with friends? Is it something specific that you can put your finger on? If you can identify the triggers and reflect on them, you can help control and eliminate those triggers. Um, Question your thought patterns. Negative thoughts can take root in your mind and distort the severity of the situation. One way is to challenge your fears and ask yourself if they're true. Mm -hmm. Practice focused, deep 
breathing. So I love the deep breathing exercises that my therapist has me do. She has me take a breath in and count to four while I breathe in and then hold it at the top for two and then breathe out for four seconds and hold it at the bottom for two. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful practice. It's very much like grounding because you can't count and think about your husband dying at the same time. So if you breathe in and you count, and I picture big Sesame Street letters in my head mm-hmm. when I count. So one, two, three, mm-hmm. four, and then I hold it for two, and then one, two, three, four, hold it for two. And I try to do deep breathing. Do you have a deep breathing exercise that you like? I really like um, box breathing, which is really similar to that. It's you know breathing in for a count of four, but you're tracing something like a box so like tracing it as you're breathing tracing it as you're breathing out tracing as you're breathing in and that works for me because for me I need to have the visual distraction as well so do you pull like do you draw um I I can draw or I just look at something that's shaped like a box or square okay Mm -hmm. okay use aromatherapy I've never this has never worked for me but it might work for you um incense candles lavender chamomile sandalwood Aromatherapy is thought to help activate certain receptors in your brain. Does that work? For, it doesn't work for me. Um, the only thing that's ever really worked for me is lavender oil. Like mm-hmm. that will help like put it in a diffuser or just put it on lotion at night. It, it's part of my sleep hygiene and it okay. just kind of helps to put my brain in that like place. Like, okay, we're getting ready for sleep now. What is sleep hygiene? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> so sleep hygiene is um, basically like the practices that you do to prepare your mind and your body for sleep. Okay. Um, it kind of is a way to trick your mind into disconnecting from the day okay and then connecting to sleepy time um (laughs) it takes a different amount of time for everybody that's my Um, bad that's white claw that's our unofficial sponsor (laughs) yeah i'm i'm still good you're okay yeah double fisting over here but um (laughs) he doesn't need the unofficial sponsor okay so what is your sleep hygiene routine look like yeah so um for me it's doing my skincare routine. So I always take a shower at night just because I like to get into the bed, like not having anything on my face, like mm-hmm. just being clean. So um, It's I also take... really a good idea because it cleans you from anything that's happened to you during the day. Exactly. I like washing my hands, not obsessively, but like if yeah. I've come in contact, like I work in mental health. You do too. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever, ever do this, but I recommend anyone who works in a very stressful situation. Once I see a patient, especially patients who pull on my heartstrings, I wash my hands Mm. and it's, I wash my hands anyways, but like I do it mindfully Mm -hmm. once I've seen a patient because I want to somehow distance myself from what I just heard. I deal with a lot of PTSD patients, um, a lot of patients with severe depression and bipolar Mm. and schizophrenia. Um, So I like to wash my hands in between each patient just to kind of, cleanse myself so that's that's actually genius because then you've you're washing yourself of the whole day yeah and you can kind of get into bed fresh and clean that's That's how I kind of like transition you know to from the day to sleep time so I do that do my skincare um and then I put on my lavender lotion um and then I have um a meditation app and I'll just find like a meditation lasts about 20 30 minutes what's the app Oh, it's amazing. It's called Insight Timer. Okay. Is it free? It's free. Wow. And what I love about it is it has literally thousands of meditations, all like guided or music or sound baths um, that you can listen to for free. Insight 
Timer. Insight Timer. Amazing. The little app, um, it looks like a little bowl, um, like a little wooden bowl. Like a little, like a little bowl that you would hit and it would make a noise. Yeah, like that. Oh, oh yeah, like a little, um, like a meditation bowl. Like yeah. you hit the inside and it makes that dong noise. <laughs> the dong noise. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that app has been incredible. I've been doing meditations every night for probably three years now. How's your sleep? Um, it fluctuates okay. during summer is the hardest time for yeah. me. Um, I'm just not good with heat. It's a trigger for me. I don't know why mm -hmm. my anxiety is worse during the summer. My sleep is worse during the summer. Mm -hmm. I've never liked it. Um, <laughs> we are opposite I know. on that. I know. I know. I just, I hate the winter. <sighs> I love the winter. It's the darkness for me that <laughs> the darkness triggers for me. I'm like, where's my fucking sunshine? <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> oh, oh, that's nice. Is that the sound the bowl mm -hmm. makes? <laughs> That's not. I have my eyes closed. <laughs> Mindful <laughs> moments. It really is a a beautiful sound. It really is. Thank you. When I took way too many mushrooms one time, <laughs> and I couldn't Actually, stop seeing God. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. You did the mushrooms, and then what did you fucking go do? Uh, I went, so I went and got, went and saw um, Thor Ragnarok in the <laughs> oh, theater. Wow. Alone, got, got in about five. I just took too much. I, about five minutes, and I had to run home. And I laid in bed and got my portable speaker and put it underneath my pillow and just played like tones like this underneath as like loud as I could and tried to like sleep it off and. It made it worse, but also helped. <laughs> like, I started seeing a lot more shit, but then, like, it did yeah. put me to sleep finally, so. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. That's I my bowl it. story. Um, do you have anything else that you do before bed? Um, no, that's that's really it. Um, unless, like, I've had an exceptionally stressful day and mm -hmm. I'm just feeling really anxious, then I'll read. Um, I either will read like a passage in my Bible or I read my trusty book here that's called Fuck Coping, Start Healing. I just love that you said I read my Bible or I read Fuck Coping, <laughs> Start Healing. I mean, do that's have, the title of the book. Do you have one that you want to read? Sure. Yeah. So any I mean, I'm just going to do a shameless plug here. I He's love not paying me for plugs. this. He doesn't no, know who I am. We don't, no one pays us for anything <laughs> and that's fine. But no, for real, um, this book and this he has a podcast as well. Um, he's called The Anxiety Guy. What? Yes. Ooh, I need to listen to um, this. He's amazing. And I'm so glad I found him because I've never heard somebody like outside of my circle talk about anxiety the way that I've experienced it. And literally that's how he speaks of it is from the same way that I've felt it. Wow. So it's just, it's really interesting to feel understood by somebody that like you've never met. And that's the thing with anxiety is I think we all think that our anxiety is like personal and it is, mm -hmm. it is, but I guarantee you someone has the same oh, yeah. anxiety that we do. For sure. It's funny. Cause I like, I'm like, Oh Robert, have you ever had a panic attack? And he's like, yeah, you were there. And I'm like, Oh my fucking God, I totally <laughs> was. And then man without a mic, have you ever had one? He's like, yeah, dude, all the time. And I'm like, why don't we talk about this more? Dude, I had one yesterday. Literally. I almost made you go on a walk with me because I was like, I'm fucking stressed. Like, I need someone to hang out with me. I know I should have, but I never want to burden people with it. Sounds like you need to take that mushroom study. <laughs> 
Psychosilocybin is what it's called. Thank I'm you very getting much. In that shit. You are. Yeah. I'm totally not. I'm totally gonna let you be in that. Um, That's the thing with anxiety, though, and, and mental health in general. Is it makes you feel so isolated. It, it does. makes you feel so. Like you're the only one feeling that and nobody will understand. And, and that's just like, that's the disorder that's, lying to you yep. and making you feel or think things that aren't true. There are also people who aren't very kind when it comes to um, how people feel mentally. Mm-hmm. I have some friends um, who it's okay. Like it's totally okay uh, that they do this because they don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some people who... Uh, who definitely judge you for having anxiety. Why don't you just, oh, my favorite. Oh, my favorite. Why don't you just calm down? Oh, oh my God. (laughs) What a novel idea. I've never thought about that. (laughs) Why don't I just calm down? It's pretty easy. It's genius. Mm. Why don't you just breathe? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Go on a walk. Is that time of the month for you guys? For oh, you? my oh. God. <laughs> I do that trigger. Hell I not. hate you so much. I Go don't on a, ask that. No, you've never asked that. <laughs> Go on a walk. You yes. do this. Walks yes. are great. They're they're my thing, man. They're my happy place. They are a great, it's a great place to be. In nature throw some, specifically. Throw some classical anywhere. music on. Too, Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Dude, classical music all day. Even if you're a fan of jazz too, I promote jazz. I love jazz. <laughs> it gets you out of, it makes you think like. It's funny, just, Linda doesn't like jazz. Not everyone does. It's okay. It's okay. Just don't talk shit on it, please, because a lot of people no. do like it. I love it. Yeah, please. I, she doesn't talk shit. She's just not a fan. Um, go on a walk Mm -hmm. write down your thoughts this is one that I know I should do um, and I don't Mm. I have one by my bed and I just don't do it enough I really should do you journal I don't it's something that was recommended to me like I want to say probably shortly after my um, my nervous breakdown I just I can't get into it because I feel like I'm forcing myself to put something on paper yeah and like I don't want it in the universe. Right. Yeah. In my mind, I'm like, if that's written down, it's, 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 I am such a strong believer in the power of words Mm -hmm. and what we put into the universe as far as our words and our Mm -hmm. thoughts go. And if I almost feel like a horcrux, like if I can keep it in myself, like Mm -hmm. no one else has to experience it. I don't want anyone to like read that journal someday and be like, what the fuck was this girl thinking? (laughs) Like, holy shit. Writing it is hard for me, but that might work. It works for Steph. Yeah. You know what? It works for a lot of people. And I I will say that, you know, if it's recommended to you, try it. Try, 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 try Mm -hmm. until you find what works. But Mm -hmm. for me, it's not something I can do. It sounds kind of like working out. Like you, you can't, if you want to lose some weight, you can't just go to the gym and start running on a treadmill and lifting weights if it's right. not like your thing. Yeah. But like <clears throat> maybe you find yoga. It's like, oh, no, I can burn a bunch of calories and have fun doing exactly. this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So with your mental health, same thing. Exactly. Just find the thing that makes you happy. Exactly. And that still helps your, your brain. Yeah, happy. you're right. And there is no right or wrong way. Some people say change your diet. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. Your oh stomach does God. so much to your brain. You don't even realize. You have no it's your what, second brain. You Dude. were talking about, we always talk about how the gut. Mm-hmm. The it, gut. Do you, do you, I take probiotics because of you. Every day? I want you to know. Oh, good. I take probiotics because of this woman. I swear, if I'm feeling like shit, and this happens with Nana too. She's She wakes up, our grandmother, she wakes up like not feeling good. I give her a glass of kombucha. Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah. swear, both of us feel pretty good oh, like, yeah. in an hour. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Love kombucha. Crazy. Mm-hmm. So true. Signs of an anxiety attack, so you know when it's coming. Feelings of danger, panic, or dread. 
nervous or restlessness, rapid heart rate, sweating, troubling chills, tired or weakness, gastrointestinal mm-hmm. problems, difficulty fo- focusing and hyperventilation. That part sucks. <laughs> Not being able to breathe is the worst. Being all tingly. Oh, God. Some <laughs> physical techniques. Put your hands in water. Mm-hmm. Feel the water's temperature. How does it feel on your fingertips, your palms, the backs of your hands? Does it feel the same on each part of your hand? Pick up or touch items near you. I have so many rocks. I have a rock. Shut up. I have a rock in my purse. She is not exaggerating. Picture the amount of rocks you you think someone owns and then double that. That's what I would say. Quadruple. Your purse must be really heavy. I have one in my purse. Okay. And I have um, one, two, three next to my bed, three next to my bed, because sometimes I want a flat one and sometimes I want a round one. and I and they're soft and mm-hmm. they're smooth. I give people rocks as presents because I think that they want. It's like a dog I giving a somebody a bird. Yeah. Cool I business know. card. <laughs> a rock? Yeah, would be a cool business. Oh card. yeah, like get in engraved. Yeah, it'd be really expensive. Though. It would. Really expensive. Have to have a um, savor a food or drink. Savor a scent. Move your body. There's a puppy in there. Oh my goodness! There's a baby. Hi. What a good dog. It's banging. Yeah. Can, can you go back on the water thing real mm-hmm. quick? Yeah, absolutely. One thing I've been starting to do recently, cold showers. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. And I'll give one little piece of advice for me at least because I, I can't just go in straight cold like in the morning. <laughs> I, what I do is I, I, hit, I just hit it with the hot water for like a few seconds to get the, the, the bathroom hot where mm-hmm. it's like uncomfortable and then I go into the cold shower and nice. it's like, oh, this feels good because mm-hmm. I was like hot and now it feels cold and wakes me up and I swear, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's like a reset, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then get cold and then you get comfortable and then get a little bit colder and a little bit colder and make your, force yourself to like. I splash cold water mm-hmm. on my face. It's the whole body. No, I hear you. If you put I it on that you. back and back of your neck, whoo, oh. seven in the morning, <laughs> you're ready for the fucking day, bro. <laughs> I usually, um, I, I smoke weed to help with my anxiety. It actually helps. Mm. Hey, hey, hey. I smoke weed every day. If, <laughs> if, I, if I'm having anxiety, I'll smoke um, indica. I can't smoke sativa because that makes my anxiety worse. But I'll smoke indica because I have, I have a pen for sativa and a pen for indica. And take a really deep breath and walk and like feel it. And it might be placebo. I don't know. But usually... I, I don't think you're wrong because I'm a sativa guy. I love sativa. Same. I don't like feeling like a couch. In grouch. the couch. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I like being high and doing shit. Me too. And But I I do feel sometimes when I do smoke too much sativa, I get... I get a little bit more antsy and I go, I have to go, Oh, to the clinic. All right. Let me give me, let me give me a hybrid. Indica. You know, give me, give me something or even a straight indica. Like I'll have to force myself to like, yeah. even my drug intake. Yeah. Way. No, for sure. It's a little like, it's like caffeine. Sometimes. Man without a mic. What do you do to, to quell your, your panic and your anxiety? Do you dabs. have any dabs? Dabs. <laughs> Chemistry dabs. What are dabs? Dabs are, it's a different, it's smoking weed, but in a different way. It's with oil. Um, oil. Oh, that's right. Oil. It's a vaporized concentrate. I'm like such a nerd. Yeah, you're not. Don't worry about it. I don't know what dabs No, are. it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I've had like three dabs in my life, and he's given me two of them. So okay. <laughs> it's literally they're gnarly. Yeah, they're don't gnarly. do a dab okay. unless you're an experienced yeah. smoker, please. No, no I've, please. I've gone to some clinics where they do like free, free dabs. dabs on the way out, and what I see like thinking? these 50, 60 year old like people going out, like, oh, well, yeah, I used to smoke weed when I was in, you know following the Grateful Dead I can do this and they walk out like a fucking zombie and, and then they're in their car no, yeah, no, no, no come on nope don't do the dabs until you know until you know how you're doing <laughs> be safe be safe um, self-kindness is is a big thing oh, sorry 
we, we, we kind of skipped over it. She was going to read a passage from her book. Oh, yeah, she was. Do you oh, have you one that you want to read? I, you know what? I, I have a whole lot of things that I've highlighted. Um, I just really, really recommend um, if you're someone who suffers with anxiety, panic disorder, even depression, um, this guy is incredible. What's his um, name? Sorry. His name is Dennis Simsek. Simsek. Uh, Simsek. S-I-M-S-E-K. He's on social media as The Anxiety Guy. His podcast Following is called now. The Anxiety Guy. Um, this is one of his books. He has a few. Um, but this is the one that was gifted to me. Oh, who gave it to you? <laughs> you fool. Shit, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah, I did. <laughs> did I really? It was in the I basket love, that you ladies gave me back I love in the day. Us. That's yeah. exciting. Um, and it's been incredible. Because so thanks, Amazon? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually. Uh, I think you requested that book. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I actually think I mentioned it because, um, yeah, I was really interested in reading it. And it's just, it's got so much good stuff in here. I mean, he really just talks from, obviously, his experience, mm-hmm. but his experience with, ex- like, feeling and suffering from anxiety and then his journey to overcoming it and getting to the opposite side to where it's not something he ever feels anymore. <laughs> so it's quite inspiring in that regard um, to know that there is hope, you oh. know. That this isn't something we have to uh, suffer with forever. That's nice. Really? Because um, I feel like I have to start embracing my anxiety. Yeah. So there's there's definitely two ways to look at it. So there's one way of like overcoming and not feeling it anymore. And then there's another where it's like you become friends with it and you're like, this is part of me and I'm going to learn to live with it. I think that there's both ways you can deal with it. I um, always want to beat something. I really, I want to win. I want to, I want to win and I want to beat anxiety, but I feel like mine's not beatable. Mm. Yeah. And sometimes it's just part of who we are right. and that's okay. But it, when it causes distress, when, mm. when you're suffering unnecessarily, mm-hmm. it's time to maybe learn ways to deal with it better. Right. Or like in this case, just learn to get to the other side of it to where yeah. it's not something you have to deal with. Um, but yeah, there's like so many things that I've, I've, gone through in here and one of the things I think that really stood out to me the most was how he connects childhood experiences with anxiety later in life mm-hmm. and how um, our experiences growing up uh, have a huge impact on our subconscious mind and when we think that we've gotten over something or think that we've you know forgot about something that happened to us our subconscious will always remind us like hey you remember that thing that happened 20 years ago guess what oh you don't i do here (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so like i'll just i'll i'll read this part just because it's kind of like what we're talking about right now go for it um so it's he's talking about distraction and how when we have anxiety we kind of distract or you know find ways to live with it um And what he says is, with distraction, symptoms may lessen and disappear temporarily, but the subconscious mind is still holding on to experiences from your past that you haven't yet reframed and renegotiated. Um, And I think the key words there are reframed and renegotiated. So So do you think that that when you have anxiety and you want to be distracted, do you think that that's helpful? Um, it's not so much with anxiety. It's when I'm having a panic attack okay, that I want to so be distracted. Okay. Yeah. With anxiety, I've learned through therapy and through different, you know, um, things I've looked into 
to really question it. Mm-hmm. Like you said earlier, questioning the fear and questioning the thought process. So like one of the books I love too is um, that one by Dale Carnegie. Oh, what is it? Producer. Uh, Dale Carnegie. How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, I I believe. Okay. Dale Carnegie. Um, It's a really old book. But what it taught me is um, question things. So like when a thought or an experience makes you feel anxious or if you're really worried about something, um, I've learned to start asking myself, what evidence do you have that this is going to go wrong? What proof do you have that it's going to happen the way you think it's going to happen? Has it ever happened before? Has it ever happened before? Right? Is my favorite question. Yeah. The first three that come up are how to win friends and influence people, how to win, oh, that's the same one, how to stop worrying and start living. That's the one. There you go. He wrote how to win friends and influence people. Wow. Yeah. He's a good dude. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so just kind of taught me to start questioning things. And, you know, when you start thinking about it, you're like, oh. I guess it's really not that likely that my husband is in drove a off crash. a cliff. Yeah. Yeah. How many times has that happened? <laughs> Never. Right? <laughs> Thankfully. Thank God. Um, but Until that one day <laughs> it actually happens. You no, shut your mouth. You. My brain does. Shut your mouth. But what um, if today's the day? Or like, you know, when you're like, I'm definitely having a heart attack this time. Mm-hmm. I will my brain will now say, How many cardio how many cardiologists have you seen <laughs> that have told you yeah. there's nothing wrong with you? Right. So yeah, it, it, you know, just reframing question mm-hmm. everything. Yep. So it's interesting that you mentioned um, in things that happen in your childhood that can cause um, anxiety, depression and mental health. Do you remember our statistic of the day? It was uh, the age, the girl or I'm sorry, the people find mental illness. So 46% of Americans meet the criteria for a diagnosable mental health condition at some point in their life. Half of these people develop those conditions by the age of, you said 20, Mm -hmm. you said man without a microphone, 27. What was this again? What was this again? The stat of the day. And you said Robert Maine, airplane. I just want to play it again. It's okay. You said 13, um, and the, the age is 14, and oh, you nailed yeah. it. And this is, I think, the first time you've nailed it. Nailed it. Fuck nailed yeah. It. <laughs> so 46% of Americans will have a mental health condition in their life, and half of them develop that mental health condition by the age of 14. Wow. That's so Nuts. much younger than I thought. But if you go back and you think about it. Oh, you, puberty. Totally. That's, that's where my, my mind went. Yeah, mm-hmm. puberty. Hormones it's hard. All yeah. Dude, when, middle school is fucking sucked. When sucked, did your anxiety dude. start? Yes, it did. <laughs> uh, I don't know. My first anxiety attack wasn't until I was like at least like eighteen or nineteen. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, my first anxiety attack wasn't until I was like twenty-four. But I had anxiety my whole life. I've been I think mine was. Since I was like what? Existentialism. Since existentialism. Like the fuck is that? It's the questioning of your own fucking purpose of being here. Am I Jesus Christ? Am I the only person here? <laughs> am I the first? Am I the main character of this? Like, Ooh. when you dream of people and uh, someone else talks to you, it's your subconscious. But in, who's dreaming here? Whose subconscious Dude. is controlling everything else? We gotta have him on the podcast. Mm. No, my brain will break. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that's where my 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 mind my mind goes. I'm not very religious. I'm not religious at all, and. 
I don't, my question is like, yeah, how, why are we here? Who are we? Yeah. My mushroom trip, what it taught me was that everyone is me and I'm everyone. And Hmm. that we're, although we're different, we're all the same, basically being, that's what I like. Yeah. That's what God told me. That's fascinating. Whatever God, whatever that is. Yeah. The universe. Instead of saying God, I say universe. I do too. I don't think it's a, a one being, I think it's just it the giant. universe. Yeah. It's we're all the universe. It's the That's universe. A whole it's podcast. a whole different fucking podcast. What's your position on the pod on the universe? What's your position <laughs> on the universe, Sheree? What is your position on anxiety? My position on anxiety now. Yeah. Um. Uh. I don't know if I can if I can answer it um, in that way. I think for me, it's more just something that I feel like I have more control over than I did in the past. That's like good. it's taken over a decade to get here. But in that time I've learned so much about myself and about mental health and um, connecting all the dots of my life. I guess you could say I feel m- more strength and more power over it than I did when I first found out what it was. Um, and I'm proud of that. And you should be because also in that time you got your master's and you started helping homeless vets and you got married <laughs> um, and you're an amazing friend um, to everybody. You always ask me what I'm doing for self-care. Hey, yeah, I, get, <laughs> I get random texts. Hey, honey, what are you doing for self-care this week? And I'm like, as a matter of fact, <laughs> yeah, I'm going key, to the man. fair. It is yep. key. It is key. My yeah. favorite self-care would probably be gardening. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's a great one. I love growing things and making things beautiful <laughs> and making them like thrive. Yeah. I love I love it. And it, it brings me no anxiety because I have so many plants that if one dies, I'm like, that's fine. <laughs> like 75 more. Uh, what is your favorite self-care? Oh, goodness. Um, I would have to say just walks. I love walking, hiking, um, just kind of being outside, breathing the air. Mm-hmm. Um I love doing face masks and like getting my nails done, things like that. Um, but then sometimes on certain days, I just have to like sit on the couch, mm. watch forensic files and <laughs> drink wine. Yeah. And that's self-care for me. Yeah. You know, it kind of depends on the day and yeah. what my availability is like to do those things. And I hate when people judge themselves for what their self-care routine. Mm-hmm. What's your self-care, Robert? What do you do for self-care? Batting cages. Nice. Golf range. Okay. An exercise that I like to enjoy while, and then I smoke a bowl before it too. Nice. That's good. Yeah, I'm definitely high. I'm totally stoned. All right, if I'm, I'm, you know, hitting 18, there's a couple of Trulies in my back. Honestly, now that I'm thinking about it though, driving. I love driving. Yeah, I was doing this short film last week and I was driving out to Hemet almost every day and it's, it was brutal, but driving for me as I can just listen to music or my podcast and there's nothing else I can do like physically mm-hmm. like I can't go on my phone and do emails and yeah I don't like talking on the phone when I'm in my car like I that's one of my rules he it's turns like, his do not disturb on it, it goes on automatically <laughs> but if someone calls me I'll just like hey I'll call you when I'm done like mm, it's yeah. not safe I like driving that's and awesome. that's my my zone out in the desert that was great nice yeah. and and smoke a bowl before yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's your self-care you like cleaning? Cleaning oh, I is wish so that was therapeutic. Mine. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Damn. Yes. Oh yeah. Getting the dust off. Yeah. So satisfying, huh? I wish I had that. <laughs> you get like a, do you get like a Q-tip and go and like like uh, get in between the keys? It depends on what I want. 
but it's more just like a general like if I can clean my living area, like just like my my desk and my computer, redo my bed, fix my laundry, mm-hmm. and then maybe I'm like, I'm gonna refold my shirts because they look like shit right now. <laughs> like, I'll just like dive into it, and halfway through I'll lose the motivation. I'm like, I'm not stressed anymore. I'm heartily clean. I can get high now, and I don't have any self. <laughs> I love it. Don't judge yourself. Uh, I wanted, before we do the 69 game, because you're playing that game. Okay. Have you heard it? Can we take a break? We can. I got to take a, I got pee. That's fine. But before we do that, that. I want to just say, if anyone needs help, there are some places that you can reach out. Um, Always. Always. NAMI. NAMI Uh, has a Mm helpline. We love NAMI. Shout out to NAMI and my friend Kent. He works there. We love NAMI. You can call 1-800-950-NAMI, N-A-M-I, or in a crisis, text N-A-M-I to 741741. You can also call the Sam Shaw Treatment Referral Hotline, that is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Association, at 1-877-SAMSHA. So that's 1-877-SAMSHA. 726-4727. There's also a crisis text line. It's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week for any type of crisis. They will connect you with a counselor who can provide you support and information for anything you need. You just text the word hello to 741-741. And if you need a suicide hotline, you can call 273-TALK. You can also chat live online. There is help out there for you everywhere. Dude, hit Someone. Ashley up on her Instagram. Please. Yeah. I literally answer. We're, we're, ev- we're one of those. I, I will answer you back. Yeah. I do. I answer everyone. I had someone send me their podcast today and they were like, will you watch my po- listen to my podcast? I was like, fuck yeah. I'll totally listen to your podcast. It's called Two, Two Dudes. Two dudes and some booze, and they—it's kind of like so-so scrutiny, but they—they oh. They, oh, so ripping us off, okay? A little bit. <laughs> well, we're like a dude and dudette drinking booze. It's true, yeah, right. Um, but yeah, like if you send me a message on what's your position podcast on Instagram, I will totally message you back. But there is help seven four one seven four one. Text the word hello, um, and you can get um, some help. We're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back. And we are going to have some fun. I'm going to make you play the 69 game. Okay. Have you heard it? Have you heard of it? So you've never listened to the podcast. Listen to the podcast. So then you first. She's listening to this song. She's digging the song. Who is this? It's a Say Anything. It's called uh, Do Better. And yeah. it's, I, I actually don't like listening to it because it's it tells me to do better. I'm like, no, it's not fine. Say anything. I don't need to be. All right, fine. I do need to be better. So fine. This I'll is like my motivation better. song. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's good. All right, we're gonna pee. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, fellow humans. Little Linkin Park for you. Uh, it's my friends. One of my one of her favorite bands. Yeah. Um, we just had uh, the death of of him pass, and I wanted to play Linkin Park to remind everybody that it affects everybody. Mm-hmm. It affects every mental health affects everybody. Mm-hmm. It does not leave a stone does, unturned. Does not discriminate. <clears throat> It doesn't. Um, I just saw the Anthony Bourdain documentary and I bawled like a baby in the movie theater and it was brutal to watch. Um, Linkin Park was another one that just, it just took me by surprise. And then we had a friend who uh, committed suicide and uh, we none of us really f- f- understood why. Um, so cheers to Danny. Mm-hmm. Love you, DC. Love you, DC. Floppy douche. <laughs> the floppiest <laughs> you're not alone um, you're never alone even if your brain tells you that you are you're not I wanted to plug a little sex since this is a sex podcast um, and let you know that anxiety and depression and sex um, can be very much a, a, a uh, one in the same they can go hand in hand so um, when you are anxious or depressed, you can have something called sexual non-concordance, which means that you might be in a situation that should be arousing, like your partner is naked and flopping his wang at you, or, you know, you're lubed up and ready to go, but your brain is like, I am in anxiety mode and this is fight or flight. And the last thing I want to do is have an orgasm. Like I want to get out of here. Um, and that's very, 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 very common. So you want to do something called sensate focused to help get yourself out of your head and reconnect connect with your sensual and sexual feelings. It, it includes non-demand touching. So something that you can do with your partner if you're finding that you are not being able to get into a state of heightened sexuality and be with your partners uh, romantically and intimately, just experience touching one another. Um, not for sexual gratification, but more for um, reconnecting to your body and that sense of touch and being with a person and massage or just like holding each other's hands or rubbing each other's back or just being with each other naked, not naked. Um, and, and try not to think about what's happening. Just experience the touch, talk about it openly, um, and work through the anxiety. And you may not be able to have sex. If you have anxiety, you may have to find a path out of the anxiety before you're able to get back into it. Um, and unfortunately, if you don't have a partner that's willing to do that with you, it's going to create some issues. But depression and anxiety are actually some of the leading causes of erectile dysfunction in men. Um, and mental health is really not talked about in um, male communities, but it is it is a problem. It, it can cause erectile dysfunction in men and pain for sex in women. So it is 10 times more common in women um, to have what is called general uh, genital penetration pain disorder or PVD when they have an anxiety d- disorder diagnosed previously. So just know if you are suffering from a mental health condition, it may be difficult to enjoy sex. Uh, and in order to enjoy sex, you may want to address your mental health condition. Also know that sex is an amazing way to release endorphins and release serotonin and oxytocin. So if you're finding it difficult to have sex with your partner, you should masturbate um, because you can almost always get yourself off and then you will release the those chemicals and you'll be able to uh, maybe enjoy sex with your partner again because you have all these happy chemicals floating throughout your body. So I'm always an advocate for masturbation. I think it's probably one of the greatest things 
ever on earth. Shout out to masturbation. Um, so, Cherie, I, I realize that our episodes get long and that you may not have gotten to the end of an episode before. I do appreciate that you listen. She listens on her walks, which makes me happy because that <laughs> means that while you're taking your walks to get over your anxiety, you're listening to my <laughs> voice. <laughs> which is hilarious and also also, also ironic because I'm literally a ball of anxiety, so I don't know how much I'm helping. <laughs> Did Kevin come through? Yeah, totally. Nice. Kevin totally came through. Right, we're going to put that he, in our Google Drive so we never uh, Yeah, no, for real, though. I'm going to do that right when I get home. Um, I lost. Oh, we're going to do it before you leave. I lost the <laughs> questions, and Kevin had to email them to me. Um, so we play a game here on our show called The 69 Game, where you have to answer as many questions as possible in 69 seconds. Okay. Where's my fucking music? What she forgets to tell everyone is you can pass. I don't forget. I do it on purpose. Why? I don't know, because I don't want them to pass. (laughs) I want them to get the best score possible. If there's a question that you don't want to answer or don't know the answer, pass. Okay, just go to the next one. Just go to the next one. You don't get a point if you pass, but you you get a point for any answer. Yes, no, maybe, anything. What do I win? Street cred. Ugh. We'll get we'll get merch soon. What about that bottle of wine over there? You can have the bottle of wine if you get the most <laughs> questions. Now I have to tell you that the record yeah. is held by Kimberly Butler. And she is an avid listener, so she came prepared and she knew the answers to the questions before oh, she came on cheater. the show. I think she got like 37. I think she's in the 30s. Damn. Yeah, I was going to say 35. 30s. 36? Okay. Maybe. We probably keep track of this. We should probably keep track. We don't. <laughs> Special <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I'll do my best. Okay. And I'll count for you. Okay. You're going to count and do the time? Mm-hmm. Thank Christ, because I suck when I have to do that. I got to okay. cover this, this time. Thank the lords. Okay. Shree, are you ready to 69? Sure. Here we go. Ready? Books or movies? Books. What's your favorite Disney character? Don't have one. Are you wearing underwear? Yes. When did you lose your virginity? 15. Sun or snow? Snow. Android or iPhone? iPhone. When was your first French kiss? Age 12. Have you ever had a one night stand? Yes. Have you ever cheated? No. Have you ever faked an orgasm? No. Have you ever sent nudes? Yes. Call or text? Text. Thing you're most proud of? Uh, My MSW. Biggest insecurity? Everything. Can you drive stick shift? <laughs> this is a podcast about anxiety. Can you drive stick shift? No. Favorite animal? Uh, doggos. Favorite plant? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I don't know. Roses. W- uh, what's your favorite part of your body? Uh, my boobs. Do you masturbate? Sometimes. Do you believe in ghosts? No. Do you watch porn? No. Would you rather be able to see or hear? See. What's your favorite sound in the world? Music. Wine or beer? Wine. What are you thankful for? Everything. What would your final meal be? Final meal be? <laughs> Uh, fondue. Soft or hard? Soft. Sweet or savory? Savory. Favorite song? Oh, God. I don't know. Favorite Halloween costume? <laughs> like that I wore? Sure. Uh, I don't know. Bob um, Ross. That Bob was Ross. such a good one. Yep. Uh, uh, horror or comedy? Comedy. Favorite snack? Um, cereal. Do you smoke that's weed? It, that's it, that's it. Damn it. <laughs> 31. That's Whoa. pretty good. Oh, shit. Kim, what's up? <laughs> Not many people break into the 30s. You didn't do the thing. And that's been the 69 game because the, the song ended. I had to restart okay. it. There you go. Not many people get into the 30s. You deserve that bottle of wine. It is yours. Woo! You have won the bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you did. Aww, thanks, gang. Yeah, you're welcome. That was really, really fucking great. That was uh, a good one. That was really good. 
So this is the part of the show where I ask you if you'd like to plug anything, anything you want to talk about, anything you want to promote, anything you want to tell people, anything you feel is necessary to say or a podcast that you love. Mm. Um, Yeah. Um, sure. I mean, I've kind of I've already yeah. Give a shout out to that guy again. Yeah, What's yeah. Tell Dennis, him again. Dennis Simsek. 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 I've already followed him on Instagram, he's so I'm called, pretty excited about that. Yeah, no, he's amazing. Um, you know, like I said, his his approach is a little different than most, just because it's kind of like he's speaking from lived experience and how he got to where he's at now. Um, so you know, it's not for everybody. I for me, it's amazing. I love his perspective. I'm so glad um, I bought it for you. I'm so glad you did too. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, uh, follow the anxiety guy. Uh, this book, um, F Coping Start Healing, is amazing. Um, aside from that, therapy. Just mm. if you haven't tried Ugh. it, if you haven't ri- found the right therapist, keep trying. It's worth it. Um, it's like relationships. Like you're yeah. not going to find the right one on the first try. No, nope. and really same with try. medications. Yeah. It's trial and error as frustrating and exhausting as that is. How many you, medications do you think you've tried in total? I mean, when it comes to SSRIs, I've only tried one and it's worked great for me. Um, but like sleeping medications, we don't mix. So I've tried like Ambien. Um, what's the other one? Trazodone. Trazodone. Those two are awful. Ativan mm-hmm. doesn't work for me. Oh, wow. No, it has the opposite effect. Um, I think right now the two that have worked best for me is Lexapro and Clonopin. Clonopin is my savior. Yeah. And it's funny because it's a benzodiazepine, so people can get addicted to it. Right. And I was very scared of that. Yeah, and me I did, too. I didn't <laughs> want the... Uh, stigma of being on a benzo mm-hmm. uh, to enter my life and somebody was a little judgmental about it and I was I was very nervous to keep being on it and I'm mm-hmm. very mindful about how much I take mm-hmm. I've never increased my dose good ever yeah. and I've been on it for a year and a half and it's I always take the same amount I've mm-hmm. never taken more and I don't I take it every night and mm-hmm. I sleep like a fucking baby <laughs> that's good I, like a rock like oh, just God. out like a light um yeah. Sleep is sleep is is important. Very important. Yeah. For your mental health. Yeah. So I hope that you get a good night's sleep tonight. I hope so too. It remains to be seen. I'm that just bottle like... of wine will help. <laughs> <laughs> a bottle of wine always helps. Yeah. Yeah. So just um I guess what I want to say is if you're suffering, if you're going through it and you haven't found your answers yet or your solutions yet or the things that are helping you to cope, keep looking, keep asking keep reaching out because it gets better mm-hmm. but you have to do the work mm-hmm. um and i think that's the most for me that was the most discouraging part is like i've come so far and now i feel like i've taken 10 steps back like, right and right. that's part of the journey that's right. that's how you get to the other side of this is right. it's going to be a little a little bit forward a little bit backward like it's it's yeah. going to be a dance but you're going to get to a better place as long as you put in the work not only that but if you're willing to work on yourself yep. and you're willing to make the effort to mm-hmm. make yourself better mm-hmm. you're never going to be perfect there's no such thing as perfect and no. if you struggle with depression or anxiety or panic disorder you're not going to get rid of it right away no. right you have to there's learn no to cure. to dance <laughs> there's no cure for this like no. we're just anxious humans and some some people would call us uh, I guess sensitive mm-hmm. or empaths. Your husband makes fun of me all the time <laughs> when I call myself an empath. He makes fun of me constantly. It's because he can't way, relate. You can tell him to go fuck himself. He's intimidated. <laughs> I will. 
I will. <laughs> Tell him I said go fuck yourself. I will. <laughs> because we feel other people's feelings mm-hmm. and we we absorb that. Yeah. And it's hard to absorb it and not, you know, spit it back out. And yeah. we got to learn how to clean ourselves and protect ourselves from holy. Are we under attack? Hello? Man without a mic is sacrificing himself. I've never heard that noise in my life. I don't even know what that was. That was crazy. Um, That's the universe telling us to wrap it up. So um, I want to thank you for coming on this show. Um, Finally. uh, (laughs) For being one of my best friends in the whole wide world. For understanding anxiety with me. For for walking that path with me. Um, I want to let anyone out there know who's struggling with anxiety. You're not alone. Nope. At all. It's literally everybody in this room has anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're okay. And you'll be okay. And you don't have to calm down. And you're not crazy. Um, You don't need to beat yourself up about it. Embrace it. Understand it. Learn how to get past it. And uh, if you need to listen to gangster rap to get through it, if you need to smoke weed to get through it, smile, bitch, smile, bitch. It's this Snoop Dogg, by the way. I love this song. It's called Smile, Bitch. It's actually not Snoop Dogg. It's Little Duval featuring Snoop Dogg. Well, Duh. he says, uh, smi- what the fuck you be wilding for because you've got lots to be smiling for. So Featuring Snoop Dogg and Ball Gazzy. You know That's going to be my next tattoo. Try <laughs> Tell heck right now. <laughs> Gonna tell heck right now. Smile, bitch. So smile what the fuck geezy. you be wildin' for? Ball, ball geezy. You got a lot to be smiling for, so what the fuck you be wildin' for? Uh, remember to be grateful. I really feel like great gratitude is something huge. Um, please follow us. Please. Mm-hmm. Please. On Instagram. What's your position podcast? Not uh, Facebook. Fuck Facebook. Fuck Facebook. Just Instagram. Just Instagram. Uh, you can always send me a message. I'll respond. We are everywhere you get podcasts. I didn't even know some of the places that we are at, but apparently we're everywhere. And if there's somewhere that we aren't on, let us know. Let us know. Please. And we'll fucking Please. let them know. And they'll I, I want to know. I'm, by the way, did you know that we're at 3,600 downloads? Oh, hey, that's amazing! Congrats, guys. <laughs> it's pretty great, right? Yeah. Um, You're coming up. Yep. Aww. Oh, well, this actually by like, the time this one is released, it'll be past a year because yeah. this is going to be in the next season. Oh. So you're in season two already. You're in the future. Yeah. Are you excited about it? I think so. Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> uh, I love all of you so very much, and I really hope that no one thinks they're alone. You're not alone. Text 741-741. They will help you if you need help. And remember, anxiety is a horrible demon that doesn't exist. It isn't real. Question yourself. Question your reality. Remember that in 15 minutes, you'll feel better. Remember that you can breathe and get through it. Stick your hands in some water. Clean. Fold something. Take a walk. Call someone you know will ground you. Um... I love you all so much, and I really appreciate you listening to me and uh, my, my dear, dear friend here. I hope you have a wonderful fucking day. Stay safe, stay kind, and stay sexy. You got a lot to be smiling for. What's Your Position podcast represents the opinions of Ashley Weller and her guests. 
The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is intended for education and entertainment purposes only. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of error. Stay safe, stay kind, and stay sexy.